Hey everybody, it's Stephanie Old World Gamer along with Scott Devin Kane, and we're back for more Retro Indie Pixels podcast. Again, <laughs> one, another week, another couple. I don't even know where the hell I was trying to go with that. I, I had an idea. Oh boy, good, good. 15 seconds, and I'm already choking up on my words. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an update on like the uh, the change of days for the podcast. Um, we said oh, to you last week that we were going to be switching over to Tuesdays, and at the time, that's what the plan was. Uh, however, um, with my change of schedule, they made an error, and my days off are not the days that they originally said that they were, so we are going to be moving the podcast over to Thursdays. So, um, it will not be next week. Next week, we'll still be here on Sunday. But then uh, after next week's podcast, we will be moving over to Thursdays. I don't know if we're going to have a podcast next Thursday. Not th- not this coming, but the following. We might have like a lapse of maybe a week or so. Well, maybe we will. Who knows? We may I'm going to be off, one. so I-, I should be good. Yeah, maybe we'll do like two podcasts in one week. Never know. Maybe oh, we'll I like see what little... you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's too... We, we could do like a little tiny one, be like, hey, <coughs> things have happened in the last three days. You never know. And then something. some people will be like, finally! Yeah, <laughs> the right. size of the podcast like... we actually want. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like six minutes. It's like, yes. Nice. So, anyway. So, now that we have that little update for you guys, I will uh, move on to uh, my news. Starting with the... Um, Epic Games Store freebies that are coming up, or that are that are there right now. Uh, we have we have Layers of Fear is free on the Epic Games Store alongside Cube Two. Mm. Until or from now until October thirty first, you can claim Layers of Fear and Cube Two free through the Epic Games Store. <coughs> Layers of Fear is a first person psychedelic horror game with heavy focus on story and exploration. In the game, you take control of a painter whose sole purpose is to finish his magnum opus. You will have to navigate through both constantly changing Victorian-era mansion while dealing with the painter's fragile and crumbling psyche. We actually covered that game in our very first podcast that we've done. Yeah, so there you go. Now you get get it for free. Um, Cube 2 is a sequel to the popular first-person puzzler, which refines the core mechanics of the original. It also features a more tightly woven narrative that expands the Cube universe. Uh, come October 31st, those two will be replaced with Soma and Costume Quest. Soma is a sci-fi horror title which was developed by Amnesia Dark Descent Studio Frictional Games. The game takes place in the underwater facility Pathos 2, where the radio is dead, the flood is running out, the food is running out, I'm sorry, the food is running out, and the machines have started to think they're people. The adorable Costume Quest is a Halloween-themed RPG from Tim Schafer's studio Double Fine. It stars little kids who complete quests from around their neighborhood on Halloween while donning magic costumes, which give them the ability to do battle as real-life versions of that character. We also covered Soma on our old podcast as well. Yes, we did. So, I mean, (laughs) look, see how things come around. See how more or less it means that if we covered it on our old podcast, then it was probably good. Yeah, and I've heard that both of them are supposed to be really good, actually. And then Costume Quest actually seems pretty neat. I mean, it kind of hits yeah. me as like a job system Final Fantasy sort of game. But It also sounds it, like a good game to introduce yeah, kids right? to as well. There you go. So, And Tim Schafer. I mean, 
<laughs> what, what else do you have to say? <laughs> I mean, Double, Double Fine has put out a lot of decent games, and you're going to be getting one free. So Indeed. I'm saying that take the opportunity, get yourself some free games. So uh, up until the 31st of October, it's Layers of Fear and Cube 2. And then we will be getting Soma and Costume Quest. Mm. So, all right. So uh, moving along, um, this was something that I found a what? little... A little interesting. What? Um, a rare Pokemon card has sold for $195,000. Recently, a Pokemon TCG collector sold a rare Pokemon card for $195,000 at an event conducted by Weiss Auctions, an auctioneer based in New York. Uh, Tech Deal recently reported on the sale. The card in question, the Illustrator's Pikachu Illustrator, or the Illustrious, I'm sorry, the Illustrious Illust or Pikachu Illustrator is one of only 29 to or 20 to 39 limited edition copies in existence, having never gone on public sale. Instead, these cards were awarded as prizes to a select group of individuals who participated in one of three 1998 art contests organized by Japanese magazine Korokoro. Prior to the auction, this particular Pikachu Illustrator card had to go through a rigorous inspection process conducted by specialists in order for its legitimacy to be verified and corroborated. Uh, for what this worth, it was most likely... Um, uh, the, oh my god, now I'm going to sit here and try to remember who they send these cards off to, but... But uh, well, uh, anyway... Um, apparently, more than a few convincing scoundrels have succeeded in making impressively detailed <coughs> stakes and dropping 200 grand on what you thought was a rare Pokemon card would probably ruin your weekend. It's not unusual to see a rare Pokemon card selling for astronomical sums of money. Another Pikachu Illustrator card sold for $55,000 in 2016, while a sealed case of first edition cards fetched $70,000 earlier this year. Uh, for those that don't, uh, that might not know a case of first edition means six booster boxes so the chances of you getting one of those like super rare charizard holographics out of that it's pretty spectacular because you're getting six six boxes which is 36 times six which is uh, 216 packs yeah. so that's a lot you know especially for a first edition you know uh they might only be pieces of plastic but you consider this pieces of plastic uh, an average Pokemon card weighs about 1.69 grams, which, if you convert to carats, clocks in at about 8.5. If you plug this information into Diamond Registry, you'll see that it's possible to get a diamond that size for slightly over $100,000. So the most recent Pikachu Illustrator card, which again, breaked in a whopping $195,000 at final call, is almost twice as valuable as that. Mad, isn't it? Maybe they should put these cards in engagement rings. Jesus. Obviously, this card absolutely smashed the record for the most expensive Pokemon card in history. Previous bearer of that honor was also a Pikachu Illustrator card that sold for just over half the half that price back that in 2013. Naturally, because these cards have only ever been owned by private vendors, their value continues to increase. Ditch your gold, invest in TCG. See, this is what I'm saying. All this time, man, it's card games. It's all about card games. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, uh, Pikachu illustrators are, 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 it's like that, you know, the Black Lotus of Pokemon. It's like, yeah. you know, it's that card that if you have it, oh, man, you've, you've really hit the jackpot. You know, Alpha Lotus, you're worth 
X hundred thousand million dollars. It's not really worth that much, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Every every game has that one card that's worth like thousands of dollars for no reason other than its rarity. You know, Basically, Black it comes down to thank your fucking asshole that there are fucking collectors out there. Because yeah. if there wasn't collectors, these cards would be worth shit. Same mm-hmm. thing as video games. And if especially there wasn't for, a like, for it. I mean, for, for something like Magic, Magic still has the opportunity for you to find these cards. For like Black Lotuses, there are still oh, alpha yeah. and beta packs that are unopened out there. We're talking about Pikachu Illustrator that was only given out one time, or three times, technically, in these small little events. So, like, the number of... magazine, dude. Right. So, the number of these Pokemon cards has been documented. They gave out 13 per per competition, but only, like, (coughs) 20-something of them are actually known to be, you know, known where they are. The other ones are still missing somewhere, or who even knows? It might have been thrown away when somebody's kid moved out and oh like oh these Pokemon cards that lived in a room and they went to college, I'll throw this away. Not no don't what move the room at all and the Pokemon cards stuck in behind the dresser somewhere no one even fucking knows about it. Right. So keep keep that paper guys, you know, one day you never know when these things are gonna be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. You just never know. Um so gonna stay uh, gonna stay on the uh, the topic of uh, Pokemon. Pokemon uh, new, uh, a new Pokemon Go League is launching early in 2020. A recent statement from Niantic announced that a brand new Pokemon League, Pokemon Go League is due to launch in early 2020. Last year, Pokemon Go introduced the highly anticipated trainer battles that fans had been longing for since the game launched in 2016. However, there has yet to be any serious stakes in relation to the function. The absence of a ranking system rendering wins and losses pointless outside of pride and a stripping thereof. Eurogamer reported that Pokemon Go players have taken the subject of competitive battling into their own hands, with popular Pokemon Go resource, the Sif Road, being used as support data for capable or capable of ranking of participating players. However, although the fact that this is a voluntary effort without any ties to Niantic is admirable, it's also unofficial, and therefore not quite as desirable a thing as Niantic run ranking system. Fortunately, Niantic recently published a blog post disclosing plans to launch a new competitive PvP league earlier this er, early next year. Dubbed as the Go Battle League, the details of the relatively short post are sparse and somewhat ambiguous, yet hopeful. It mentions that players will gain entry to the league by walking, as, it, as is usually the case with anything new and worth doing in Pokemon Go. The matchmaking system operates as an, on a global scale and will have its own built-in ranking system, finally attaching significance to battling, which is still unfortunately suffered from the aforementioned lack of competitive pr- or purpose. It will be interesting to see how the new initiative pans out, as the potential for something on this scale has been bubbling violently for ages, and it's high time someone summoned the courage to rip the lid off. Niantic concludes it by saying that it hopes this feature will make the Pokemon Go battling experience more competitive and accessible to more trainers. Battles may have received quite a lukewarm response upon launch, but competition has always been a core experience in the Pokemon series. Perhaps this could be their long-awaited trump card, but until then, take the time to reveal this year, revel in this year's Pokemon Go Halloween event, or the the read other stuff, uh, Pokemon related. Um, this is, 
I, I, I don't mean to, like, uh, say, oh, Vision Proud Drive or Pokemon Go does something because I don't play the game anymore, but I think this is, you know, for something along the, you know, along the lines of, hey, we're Pokemon, Pokemon's always been, at its core, about the battling, you know? I mean, it's, maybe it's a 50-50 thing, it's like, you know, half battling and half collecting, but, you know, it is half that. It is half about, you know, taking the Pokemon and making yourself best there ever was, and just by collecting doesn't really prove that, you know? So, the fighting is kind of where the whole thing is, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know. It, it's just, that's, this is what Pokemon's about. It's about the battles. Yeah. So, it's about time that the, the people who have dedicated a lot of time, and trust me, I know a lot of people, even still, like friends of mine now, who put, dedicate a lot of time to Pokemon Go and making sure that they have the best, oh, I got a 97% Charizard. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. But, you know, their effort is finally going to be worth something. They're going to be able to be like, hey, I'm the best in all of North America, blah, blah, blah however it goes. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point, it's going to go into a competition somewhere. You know, the Pokemon National Championships, and then that'll be a thing that they will eventually announce and be like, hey, come win thousands of dollars by using your cell phone. It's, it'll happen. <coughs> I'm, I'm throwing it out there. It's, it's going to happen eventually. Just a matter of time. So, anyway, moving on. Um, so, uh, future Borderlands 3 updates will include extra bank space, level 4 mayhem, and more vending machines. Um, Gearbox will release a substantial patch for Borderlands 3 today, which was Thursday, and there's also outlined upcoming additions to expect. New patch will drop for Borderlands 3 to develop player, which supports Bloody Harvest event and addresses a number of reported issues. The studio also outlined what to expect in the future, which we will dive into first. According to the post on the official website, you can ex expect the studio to continue addressing game performance and stability. Game-wide improvements can be expected in the November patch. Uh, you can also expect the first bank expansion to come alongside the release of the next contact takedown at Malawan's Black Site. Gearbox said that the expansion will double the size of the existing bank. Additional bank expansions will be rolled out with future content releases. Alongside the content update, you can also expect the first new Mayhem mode level, Mayhem 4. Expect tougher enemies, which will reward you with highly synergized character builds. A new batch of legendary gear will also only drop while in Mayhem 4. In the long term, Gearbox plans to overhaul Mayhem by adding more UI support, new modifiers, playlists, rewards, and additional levels. Hmm. The November patch will also update loot pools, especially when dealing with bosses. The team is currently looking at which boss will drop specific gear, but once decided, you will be able to get said gear from the designated boss. Another change will come to character buffs. According to the developer notes, in the latest stage of the game, when Mayhem Mode is active, player companions aren't performing as well as, as, as expected. Gearbox is currently looking into how it can adjust damage according to the relevant skills and gears. Additional vending machines will also be added across multiple maps. These will be dropped outside of some boss arenas and larger environments. These locations include Athenas, Atlas HQ, Jacob's Estate, Electra City, Skywell 27, uh, Tanzendir Ruins, the Pyre of the Stars, and the Voracious Canopy. 
The ability to do skip cutscenes is being looked into, and sometime in December, target dummies will be added to the shooting range on Sanctuary 3. Sounds like you have a bit to look forward to. Uh, like the last update, you can expect improvements to the stability, which should result in less crashing. The flacker weapon now consumes one ammo instead of five, and plenty of bugs have been squashed. Uh, I'm not going to go through all these because there's a long, yeah, uh, long list of things. So, um, I'm going to go over these one section at a time because I have a lot to say about this. Um, uh, the first thing that we're talking about is game-wide stability, which is a huge issue. Um, I have, I don't want to brag a little bit, but I have a pretty decent PC. And I have experienced crashes and like uh, cloud sync problems and whatnot. And there are certain times where there are big performance issues. And it generally has to do with the fact that I don't like in the early game, like when your playthrough is there, whatever, you don't have that much. But like as you get into the higher modes, like you start playing Mayhem 2 and Mayhem 3, they put a lot of fucking dudes in there at one time. <laughs> You fight a lot of dudes who do a lot of things. When you're fighting three anointed at the same time, they shoot a lot of stuff. So improving stability on this is going to be a very, very welcome change. Um, then they talked about the first bank expansion, which says they're going to double the size of the existing bank. Okay, so let me address this. Currently, the bank size is 50. Okay. When you advertise this game, one of the things that you advertise is that the game has millions of guns. You know what a million minus 50 is? It's a fucking lot. And let's just, let me just throw this out there. The bank size is not even close to big enough. So. When you have the capability of saying, oh, hey, there's a million guns in the game, of course, they just mean, like, you know, gun X is going to be a different gun compared to gun X plus extra stats. Whatever. Of course, that's what they're counting on. Mm. But there are also, like, you know, like, like 15 legendary pistols, 15 legendary ARs, 15 legendary rocket launchers. So if oh, you're, you're anyone gonna... like myself who plays games and particularly likes to collect that stuff then where the fuck are you putting it all exactly and i i'm doing exactly that anytime i get a new legendary into the bank because you never know another character that i may make down the line might need that gun you know what i'm saying so 50 not enough even when you double the bank that might still not be enough so i'm hoping that they get it into their heads i'm looking at you gearbox and saying hey Maybe we should just expand the bank to 500, making it big enough for them to have enough to just not have to worry about bank size. You know, if you advertise a million guns, at least give us the opportunity to keep 500 of them. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> yep. Um, they're also talking about Mayhem 4. Okay. So, Gearbox, I know you love the siren. I really, I know you love the siren. But I'm never allowed to play the Siren, because that's my brother's character, and I understand that. My brother always plays the Siren. I'm okay with this. And when you when you gave us, like, the preview for for, uh, for Borderlands 3, and then the character preview for Zane, I was all about this. 
I'm like, oh, I really love Zane. He, this guy looks really cool. And I still like the character. Except the fact that you still love the Siren so much that she's the only one who can handle anything outside of Mayhem 2. So, you're gonna make Mayhem 4, which only the Siren can handle. Let's talk about making sure that the other characters can handle what's in the game right now before we go on to making more difficult stuff that only one character can handle right now. So, let's just... Uh, loot pools? I don't play enough got, of Borderlands, no. But anything that you're talking about, so yeah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna rant about oh, no, this that's because, fine. you know, I'm a big Borderlands fan, but... Uh, just letting other people know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, loot pools, I think, is a great idea. I think, like, if you're looking for a specific gun for a specific build, you shouldn't have to do, like, you shouldn't have to go out and kill 600,000 bosses to be able to get one gun. To be able to go, oh, this is like the same thing with any other RPG, okay? Oh, I know that the shield of my ass comes off of this boss. I can go farm that boss and get the shield of my ass after a couple tries. You know what I'm saying? So, loot pools, I think, is a... You know, I'm just... Whenever I, <laughs> whenever I do RPG items that I don't have a specifics to, it's always up my ass. Of I've been course. calling items into Diablo, like the full plate mail of my ass for ages. But, uh, loopholes, this is just a given, you really should be doing this. They already do do this to an extent, where like only certain bosses drop certain things, like the Queen only comes off of Tyrene, the King only comes off of um, Troy, but, you know, obviously to yeah. be able to have more dedicated, hey, I need a Jericho, who do I go farm to drop a Jericho? Right? Um, Character buffs, um, leave the siren alone. <laughs> she doesn't need buffs. You know who needs buff? Zane. Zane needs some buffs. Because you know what he does? He digiclones and waits for the siren to do things. Mm. <laughs> I can't say that entirely because you know, I am a stuff on Mayhem 3 kind of by myself, but you know, just watching my brother play the siren, it's just like, oh, well I just melted 17 dudes and I'm still working on one. Mm. Okay. Um, extra vending machines? Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I understand that, like, once we get all the backpack VMUs or the S or SVUs, I'm sorry, that we have 40 places to put things, Boy, in Mayhem games, they drop a lot of stuff. So, extra vending machines are really nice. Um, the ability to cut to, to skip cutscenes should have been in the game to begin with. Um, so, I am attempting to go back through the game just to rip through it so I can get to the end game content and then put it back to whatever difficulty I needed to go. Um, it took me 45 minutes to go through the entirety of Pandora. I'm going to say eight minutes of it was cutscene. Why? I want to speed run this game. You know, <laughs> eventually I want to I want to speed run and I want to be able to skip cutscenes that I've seen five or six times already. And I'm starting to go along with the cutscenes now. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I'm really enjoying the game and just... Buff the characters that aren't the siren. 
I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. So moving on, it's this week's section, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, fuck. Oh, let's shit on Stadia. <laughs> First party Stadia exclusives are last on the list of released <laughs> list for Google streaming service. Oh my god. <laughs> Google plans to release exclusive games for its streaming platform Stadia every year, but it will wait for the original first-party games, according to recently appointed games boss Jade Raymond. Stadia launches next month and has a main has mainly made a big deal about how it will deliver games already access or available on other platforms: Red Dead Redemption 2, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Although it had assigned a handful of indie exclusives. Google has established its own internal studios, too, one headed by a former Ubisoft creator, Jade Raymond, and she's insistent that exclusive games for Stadia can get ahead of development that usually takes four years or more. However, internally developed original games will be last on the release timetable. First up there are the third-party releases, then the second-party titles through partnerships with indies. Then you can expect original games from Raymond and her teams. It won't be four years before gamers get to see the new exclusive exciting content, she told Gamer Biz, or Gamer, GamesIndustry.biz. There will be some coming out every year and much more ever, much and more and more each year. One of the big questions that surrounds Stadia is whether Google will stick with a long-term plan or lose its interest if it's not immediately successful. Boom. Raymond reckons Google is prepared for the long haul. For a big bet, for a big bet and a huge new IP that's going to fully leverage the cloud, it may be several years, she admitted. But we do have quite a few exclusive games in the works that will demonstrate some of the exciting things about the platform all along the path. Initially, we're going to have some interesting indie-style games we sign and that might look a little different or take advantage of YouTube integration or have a different role for a streamer, Raymond said. But they won't go right but they won't right away solve every problem or uncover every possibility of what cloud-native gaming is going to open up. If you're wondering how Stadia shapes up in the real world, so are we. We've played it in a Google-controlled environment. The real test comes November 19th. Alright. So, what you're telling me here, let me get this straight, is that these people are going to be working on these games for Stadia, but they're not going to come up for years for a console that I believe isn't going to last a year. I have a feeling that most of the developers who are working on games for that platform are going to be so disappointed that they went that way. Figuring, oh, well, Google's got the money to do stuff. This is where Google's going to pump in a bunch of money into a, a thing, put a bunch of, like, you know, PR behind it, and then it's not going to mm -hmm. go anywhere because there's already too many well-established you know, game producers or, or what would you call platforms like Nintendo yeah. and Sony and Microsoft? Those they, they are fucking cemented. Yeah, and they're like they're like they're like, but they won't really solve every problem or uncover every possibility of what cloud native gaming is going to open up. That's a thing already. What are you talking about? Exactly. Like, what are you saying? Like, oh, well, we're not really sure what this is. What that statement right there alone says that they have no idea how bad things are going to be. So we don't want to go into the things that are already there because we need to be solving problems we're going to have to begin with. Then maybe we'll think about cloud-native gaming. Like, come on. 
it's like you're you're without as much saying as that we are in the first year going to be fixing all the problems that we had but the problem is is that you're making all these problems for yourself mm-hmm. but, but by all the other things that we've talked about in previous podcasts we've already talked about like it's just it's not you've already advertised about this going to be a thing like just like we talked about last week that the controller is not going to be able to go between different things it's like are you kidding me that was one of the things that was going to be like your big selling point it's like i'm going to be able to go from this tv to this tv i'm going to be able to take my stadia over to somebody else's house and boom everything's done now you're saying that this isn't going to be a thing (laughs) Like that was a selling point. That was a bullet yep. point of your whole thing. Exactly. And and now the first thing that you say is like, oh, <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, not happening. Sorry, guys. We'll do this later. Like, why? Why wait till later? Like, it because they got their sense. fucking toes in this, and that's it. Uh, they're not. They're not in there actually working on this like as much as they are with YouTube and with the Google platform itself. I know. And 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 here's the thing, folks. You have to understand. This is coming out in just over three weeks. And they've done, like, uh, we've done nothing but shit on them for, like, the last five weeks because of all the things that they've said themselves. We don't even have to search for dirt because they keep putting it at our feet. Yeah, pretty much. You know? And it's like, this is... And now, and now I'm getting advertisements for it on YouTube. It's like, come on, guys. You're not going to convince me that this is going to be the next best gaming thing. No. Because like, we're already, you know, knee-deep in Twitch. We don't need any of that stuff. You know, are the big names going to go over and do it and to bring all that stuff over? Do you think Google doesn't have their hand in Ninja's pocket right now? Do you honestly think that they, that he's not going to, at some point, join the Stadia thing just to get his name over there to be like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm playing on this new thing. Isn't it great, guys? Blah, 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 blah. Like, come on. Like, let's be real about this now. So it's just not going to... still not going to want to buy it, even if he does endorse it, I don't think. It's just for for all of like the good things that they talk about for Stadia. It's just like they do nothing more than like, oh, next week we're gonna tell you exactly why this isn't gonna work anymore. So it's like <laughs> just something new every week. We've got three more weeks before the release. I'm new just waiting. Just for... before it comes out, it's like, by the way, it's not actually gonna be able to play games right away. <laughs> <laughs> It, but you'll have it, so it's ready. So when we do have games, then you'll be able to play them. Like when when we're ready for. It. And then uh, two weeks from now, they're gonna. Be like, oh, by the way, Stadia doesn't actually come with a controller. That's so. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's gonna be this sort of stupid. Use hand gestures. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that worked. Well. Ask Xbox how well that went. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Um, Cyberpunk 2020 is giving us some pretty big numbers here. One financial analyst expects Cyberpunk 2077 to sell to sell gangbusters to sell gangbusters once it hits the market. What the fuck? <laughs> to sell gangbusters? That's uh, probably a new term that the kids use, man. <laughs> I mean, am I that old to not understand what the fuck that means? <laughs> anyway, I guess it means a lot. I sure, I guess well. so. Yeah. Uh, Bloomberg recently published its 50 companies to watch in 2020 list, and thanks to Cyberpunk 2077, CD Projekt made the list. According to Bloomberg analyst Matthew Canterman, the company could beat analyst 2020 sales forecast once the game is released. It could even sell around 20 million units during the launch year. 
While that's a large figure, not beyond reachable considering CDP's stellar RPG background and the fact that Cyber 2077 is one of the most anticipated games of 2020. It took The Witcher 3 four years to hit the 20 million sales mark, but the franchise as a whole started out as a niche entry in the RPG market. While Witcher 3 saw mainstream success with Cyberpunk 2077 having FPS shooter mechanics, it may appeal to a broader audience. Plus, the Keanu reveal probably added more hype for the title than any previous trailer or info drop in the history of gaming. We're just guessing that on that end, going by the internet's reaction to Mr. Reeves popping up in the E3 2019 trailer, oh. you have to admit, it did get everyone talking. We'll have to wait and see how well the game sells after its release in April 16th, 2020, obviously. But don't consider the 20 million figure as being out of the realm of possibility. Hold on. Let me just interrupt all this and go back to the Keanu bullshit thing. No. I'm sorry, Keanu Reeves. You're a great guy and all. Like a lot of your movies, you know. No. Whatever. But, um, have you ever looked at the sales of any of the games that you've been in that <laughs> were from your movies? <laughs> have you ever? Let's uh... seriously go look it up. Go look at the the Matrix Path of Neo right now. Let's just. There's uh, another one too. Let's see how many copies it sold. Uh, It doesn't even say. No, I don't want that one. I want want older shit. Uh, Matrix. There's another one that I'm thinking of. Of Neo sales. Uh, sales with John. Yeah, John Wick was one of them, but I thought there was other ones too. Oh, okay. I actually can't find it. But, but anyway, oh, uh, there we go. There we go. Uh, North America, it sold 230,000. Its sales history total 310,000 copies. Of a game about the Matrix. So, how many copies? Three hundred and ten thousand. There you go. That's a large break number, isn't it? And you have to, you also have to understand. Okay, the Keanu reveal for this thing was in the midst of like a huge, huge Keanu Reeves meme bomb. Like Keanu was everywhere. Like in like like he was like the like the pinnacle of meme status at the time. It's like obviously it's going to have like this huge effect. You know, there was all a bunch of hype. Oh, Keanu Reeves, blah blah blah. He's meme master, blah blah blah. Well, yeah, of course, because you know the internet's a bunch of meme lords right now. So clearly, we're gonna have a big response to somebody who's really huge on the internet right now. Obviously. So, we're we're still trying to find how many, uh... I guess it's John Wick. I'm pretty sure I have another game here that was a a movie that he was in, but anyway, for the Xbox, but... Okay. Anyways, let's just go back to this. I mean, Keanu himself is not gonna sell this game 20 million I don't care. No. I... I even... Let me just take a look at, uh... uh, I want to look at how many copies this particular game has sold. 
Alright, well, if you're going to talk about so. this, I need to check out my dog real quick. <laughs> but, um... Super Mario Odyssey. Super Mario Odyssey, guys, at the end of June, has sold 14.94 million copies. Okay. So, you're talking about a game, Super Mario Odyssey, which has absolutely been, like, super exploded, you know? It's a Mario game, okay? So, you're telling me in the, in the span of, what's it, it's December 31st to June 2019, in the span of 18 months, Cyberpunk 2077 is going to sell more copies than Super Mario Odyssey? Hmm. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? A game that has <coughs> five-star reviews, over 21,000 reviews? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Nah. It's not happening. I don't care. It may sell like 10 million. Sure, I give it that. <laughs> but not. you're not outselling a Mario game. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not. No, I don't care. It's not happening. So, anyway, moving on. Um, I'm going to talk about BlizzCon here a little bit here. Uh, notable gaps in BlizzCon's timetable suggest some major announcements could be preparing to drop. The schedule for next week's BlizzCon is full of usual suspects. Warcraft updates. Yeah, no kidding. Um, sorry. Um, the schedule for next week's BlizzCon is full of the usual suspects. Warcraft updates, Overwatch updates, esports, and all the like are to be expected. But the main mythic stage is looking for is looking quite sparse, with six 45-minute slots marked across coming soon on Friday and Saturday. Alone, that's not too surprising. There's no guarantee that each of these empty spots is a brand new game. The Mythic Stage also plays host to BlizzCon cosplay showcase, developer Q&A, and update sessions for Warcraft and Overwatch. But long periods of unconfirmed sessions on the main arena following opening ceremony? That's enough to lend weight to some existing rumors. Diablo 4 is the big one. We've been hearing speculation on the fourth game in Blizzard's Hellish Dungeon Crawler for years. Just this week, a German ad for an upcoming art book seemed all but to confirm its announcement. Hell, it came with a devil's breath of being announced at last year's BlizzCon. That's not the only thing Blizzard might have in hand, though. Another shot at StarCraft FPS was allegedly canned earlier this year to work on another Overwatch game. Overwatch 2? It'd be a stretch, but there's a world of room for spin-offs uh, for the competitive shooter. Then there's whatever's happening with World of Warcraft next year. With Battle for Azeroth winding to a close, we're probably due to look at the MMO's giant next chapter. But there's always room for a shock announcement. Nobody was expecting Overwatch when it when it arrived in BlizzCon earlier this year. Blizzard, represent, or Blizzard President J, J. Allen Bragg told Forbes that the company has more games in development than ever. It'll need some hot announcements, too. It's been generously or generously a tough month for Blizzard, following the harsh punishment of Hearthstone Grand Champion Chung Butch Chung Ing Y over his on-air Hong Kong protests. Since then, the studio has banned a collegiate Hearthstone team for a similar offense. It's enough that U.S. Congress members even had a rare moment of bipartisanship in sending a letter of commendation to Blizzard. Condemnation. Sorry. Uh, this year's BlizzCon will be a moment full of a moment of truth for Blizzard. 
Will Fran's grievances hold up in the face of a shiny new Diablo? Will Blizzard even acknowledge the last month in its annual celebration? Uh, so I think Diablo 4 is a switch. I think Diablo 3 right now is in its 19th season. And Jesus. That's long, man. Diablo 4 has been, or Diablo 3 has been around for quite some time. I wouldn't be surprised if it's announced. It absolutely has to do something, especially since like the last time they announced something Diablo, it was mobile thing, and <laughs> yeah. No one wants that. We're not going to go into that <laughs> shipwreck. Um, Overwatch 2, why not? I think it would be fun for them to do something a little bit different. With, like, I wouldn't say like Overwatch 2, like a whole new FPS. I think it would be cool if they did something on the lines of, like, maybe a MOBA? Maybe a fighting game? I don't know. Just throwing ideas out there. I mean, uh, Riot is going to be doing a new fighting game for that they, there's already screenshots and like videos for it so we already know that that's happening so why not do a fighting game for that i mean you have a good list of characters that could definitely be good for it but i feel like maybe a maybe an overwatch moba would be out of the question you know um i also have an idea of something else that's going to be going into one of those 45 minute slots but i'm going to talk about that in a little bit because uh there's another article that I'm gonna go. I'll let you guys know when I, when I'm thinking that this is gonna be one of the spots. Um, I think it would be in their best interest to not talk about Hearthstone at all, because if you don't have any new big content coming out for it, don't bring it up, because you're already in enough hot water with this stuff. So just leave it alone. So. World of Warcraft is probably going to get a new expansion. You know, this is what they do at, at BlizzCon. They're just like, hey, you guys remember this game you've been playing for 12 years? Here's the next thing for it. And everybody's going to lose their shit because it's going to be this new thing. Because they have this new fox race that's coming out that's going to be Alliance side. You know, what the Horde always wanted was Mecha Gnomes. Anyway, so if we get any information on what's going, what happened at BlizzCon, we're probably going to tell you next week because BlizzCon, I think, is during the week this coming week. So we'll let you guys know what uh, interesting stuff comes from it. Mm -hmm. So uh, moving on, Darksiders Genesis has, has a release date and will be arriving first on PC and. Uh, <laughs> Darksider Genesis will release on PC and Stadia later this Not year. Not for Sega Genesis. The Airship Syndicate developed Darksiders Genesis has been given a release date. It will release first on PC and Stadia on December 5th, followed by consoles February 14th, 2020. The game is currently available for pre-order and comes with three different versions. Collectors, the Nephilim Edition, which includes the official board game Darksiders Forbidden Land, and Standard. Uh, set before the events of the first game, Darksiders Genesis is the first title in the franchise to feature couch co-op and online co-op. It stars the fourth and final horseman, Strife, who who is able to battle alongside War. 
Solo players are able to alternate between the two horsemen on the fly. It's currently in development for PC, Stadia, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Nice. Um, I don't know if you've played Darksiders at all? Uh, I have not played that much of it, no. Um, a little I, bit, but it, it does. It's a game that I've wanted to play for a while because it looks like it's a lot of fun. It is really fun. It's <sighs> like it's super fast paced. It's like it's 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 pretty much on the same genre as like Devil May Cry. It's it's that sort of same thing. So, but like I really love War as a protagonist. If you want to call him a protagonist for it, like you know, whatever antihero, whatever you want to call him. But uh, I really love Darksiders, so. I'm really looking forward to this game. Hopefully, I will be able to stream a little bit of it when it comes out. Features September. couch and online co-op, thankfully. Mm. So mm. nice. So you mean somebody can get it right? There you go. <laughs> so, this is something that I kind of want to debate a little bit here. Alright. So, it, Magic the Gathering Pro Player won't face bans for Hong Kong support. It doesn't look like Pro Magic the Gathering Arena Championship player will face reprisal for Pro Hong Kong protests. Later, uh, less than two weeks after Hearthstone Grandmasters Champion Blitz Chung set Blizzard reeling with his Pro Hong Kong outcry, another card game Pro has voice support for protesters in their region. Magic the Gathering Arena Pro player Lee C. Tan closed out a stunning performance at the Mythic Championship with a protest of its own. Now, Tan's protest isn't quite the fired-up gas mask rally for, as a Blitzchunt. He's clearly nervous, shaking from winning a hard-fought game. Nonetheless, Tan donned a red scarf to push support for his native Hong Kong during a post-game interview captured on Twitch. Life has been very tough in my hometown in Hong Kong, he uttered before exp explaining his victory. It feels good to play as a free man. While Blizzard came down hard on vocal Hearthstone players, it doesn't appear Tian will face any repercussions. A moderator for the stream's Twitch chat claimed Wizards of the Coast issued instructions to allow and not touch any and all of these kinds of mentions of Hong Kong. Boom. Tian, meanwhile, is happy that nobody stopped him from using his platform to protest. While he's not sure WotC will face pressure like Blizzard in the NBA, he urged players to reward the developers' actions. Play their games, particularly if you're a Hearthstone player. The lighter protest comes from mere days after Congress urged Blizzard to roll back their punishments against Blitzchung. Just last week, the studio also hit American Hearthstone college, uh, collegiate protesters with a similar ban. With BlizzCon just over a week away, Blizzard has a tough job lined up if it wants to get past this spectacle. See, there you go. Now, Watsi, you make some really... When I say Watsi, for those that don't understand... Um, I'm a long-time Magic player, so Watsi is just a thing for me. So it, I apologize for that. But anyway, so it straight up just says... They're just like, allow and don't touch any and all of these kinds of mentions. So right out the gate, they're just like, if you want to talk about stuff, talk about it. You know? And they've never really been shy about saying, like, hey, these players can say what they want, you know? And I think that that's, you know, I think that's fair. And just, like, going, I, I, I think it was great on, on Watsy to just right out say, hey, if they're going to say stuff, just let them do it. And you, and you know what that does? That keeps the heat off of you as a company. Do I think he should have, like, the, the player should have gone into, like, this big, giant rant and blah, blah, blah about it? No. 
but he did it in such a way that it was just like, hey, I, you know, I'm wearing the mask because of the Hong Kong banning of masks, and, you know, it, my life's been very tough in my hometown. It feels good to play as a free man. That's not much. That's not much, and that says enough. It says yeah. enough to the point where it's like, all right, we get the fact that you're like in protest of what's going on in Hong Kong, but at the same time, you're being subtle about it. You're not going into a tirade like Blitzchung did. You're not. You're not taking up time on you know on Twitch with like this big giant protest because he still talked about the game. You know, he still talked about his match. About you know the, the, this difficult mythic championship match, mm -hmm. so it's like okay, here's this tiny little snippet. You know, stuff in Hong Kong's tough, but I'm happy to be playing free in this country. Boom, you're done. You've made your point, and now you can talk about the game. Done, perfect, good, good on you, Tian. You did everything correctly, and I honestly I give props to Wizards of the Coast. To be able to say, hey, you know what? This is going to happen. We know this guy's from Hong Kong. So, you know what? Just let him talk. And, like I said, it keeps heat off of you as a company. Because, yeah. obviously, Wizards of the Coast is smart enough to look at the competition. And they know Hearthstone is a competition for Magic the Gathering. Because it has been since it's come out. And they can see the media backlash. They can see the player backlash. They can see the congressional backlash that Blizzard is getting over what it did with Blitzchunk. So it's just like, you know what? Let's just avoid this and be the better party. You know? Mm -hmm. So no, it's good I think on them. It, it really speaks as to them as a company and how well they look after their, you know, relations with you know their, with their, their players. Yeah, with, with their players and stuff. So yeah, so <laughs> you Wizards of the Coast plus one on my book. Indeed. All right. So uh, moving along, Humble Bundle is changing. Uh, Humble subscription service is getting a massive overhaul, and it's available at a much better rate for existing Humble Monthly subscribers. But you need to act fast. Uh, Humble Monthly will soon transform into Humble Choice, which will let you pick a few games from a pool for a nominal fee each month. Which tier you subscribe to will dictate how many games you can own. There will be three tiers under the new price scheme. Light, $4.99 a month with no games, access to the Humble Trove. Basic, $14.99 a month for three games. And Premium, for $19.99 a month and nine games. These deals are a solid, but not as good as the current model. $12 for a bunch of games a month. But if you're an existing Humble Monthly subscriber, or if you become one before Humble Choice becomes into effect, you get a better deal. The Humble Classic tier is only available to Humble Monthly subscribers. It costs $12 a month and will give you 10 games each month. It has all the other benefits of the Premium tier, including a 20% discount on the Humble Store. Thankfully, the Humble Monthly deal for this month is pretty fantastic. It features both Crash Bandicoot and Spyro Trilogies in their upgraded forms, plus Call of Duty World War II. If you sign up now, you have a better deal going forward. Just make sure you do this quickly if that's a deal you want to take advantage of. Um, you are a humble subscriber, aren't you? I was for a long time, but here's what was happening. I was getting so many games that I just didn't have time to play because of work and stuff that it didn't make sense for me to keep getting bunches of games. Not only that, but as many people know, uh, I 
you know, deal with a lot of indie developers on a regular basis, so I literally get games given to me every day, basically. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and even then, like, I'm having to give some of those away or give, you know, oh, if this is a game that I know that, like, you shoot them up. I know that if I pass it over to Scott, he's more likely to play that than I ever will. Right. Just because I'm going to be going for games that I'm going to like to play first over games that I'm going to do just because it was given to me kind of thing. So. Right. So like in the, in the same, in that retrospect, is like we talked about that last week, whatever, two weeks ago, like you and I have our specific genres of games and we can't always be critical of the games that we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Like just, just for like for today. Like when I was talking about Borderlands, you don't play you don't play Borderlands. You're no. not a big fan of like first person shooter sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really have much to say. So, you know, being able to talk about the specific things that you like and then being able to pass on stuff to other people that other people like, it gives us a much better chance to talk about the things that we like. And not only that, but it also helps the developer more. Because it's... Right. Would they rather have the game sitting in my library for X amount of years, or would they rather have someone play it next week? Right. So, um, so. anyway, going back to the story here, we, yeah. kind of, we kind of diverged a little bit. As a former Humble Bunder... Bu- Bunder... Humble Bundle subscriber, what would you think about this? It can be good and bad for a couple of different reasons. Um, the reason why it could be bad is for the fact that, all right, you're going to pay premium nineteen ninety nine a month and there's nine games. Well, usually I think in most of the Humble Monthly you were getting you know between you know say six and twelve games, and most times. A lot of those games weren't the like most fantastic games in the world. A lot of times you were getting a lot of great games. And sometimes you're even getting AAA titles that you may not even want or you may be looking forward to. So it all depends. So, I mean, going for a basic, you're going to be saving $5 but not getting those six other games. But you're probably still going to be cha- choosing for that one same pool, meaning that like if there was only three games you wanted... Well, now you're not paying the extra $5 to get the other six that you didn't want. You right. know what I mean? So, and again, like, the only good thing, the good thing about it is that it, the more games you're going for, and if you're a current Humble Monthly subscriber, if they're going to actually be giving you 10 games each month, well, that means you get the entire pool plus one extra. Like, I don't know how that would work. So I think that this this is, like, a much better deal for the people that are already subscribed to it. And my my main thing about, like, Humble, like, the way that the Humble Monthly thing was, it was like, oh, you can pay what you want, forget, you know, whatever games, blah, 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 okay, whatever. But at the same time, there are a lot of months where I've gone, I'm like, you know, let me go check out what's on the Humble. And there were, like, a lot of games where I'm just like, I don't want any of these games. Yeah. I'm, you know, like, oh, they could be like, oh, well, this month it's going to be the strategy bundle. Like... Alright, so if I'm just subscribed for $20 a month and I get nine games, which of these nine games that I don't already have any interest in playing am I going to take? Yeah. Well, exactly. how, do, how do I know? How, how would I know which of these games that I would ever want? Because the likelihood of me wanting any of them because of strategy games, and again, please don't misunderstand strategy yeah. games. <laughs> it's not that I don't think your games are good, it's because I'm bad at strategy games, so I would be bad at your games, so I wouldn't want to play it. And I mean, it's going to go both ways anyways. There's going to be times that you're going to be like, okay, what are my three games I'm going to pick this month? And you go in, you're like, oh, 
I wish Staple. I had the premium now because I kind of want yeah. those other six. You know, it's right. going to happen, and there's I'm sure there's going to be times it's going to be like three games out of these. Like, I want yeah, this like, one, and I guess I'll take these two. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's going to go back and forth, one way or another. Mm-hmm. So, I think this is a much this is a much better deal for the people that play. So, if you are part of that, you know you can jump on that quickly. I think this is going to be like a super mixed bag, and I think they're going to find themselves like in a situation where it might not be a good idea because I know that Hump has a tendency to like, oh, here is the the, the fantasy horror games this month. Here are the, yeah. uh, uh, the strategy game month. Here's the point and click adventure the, month. You know that sort of stuff. Or there could be months where it's like, oh, cool, I'm throwing twenty dollars away because I don't want any of this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, probably be a little careful. Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, this I'm really excited Give for. Give a second there, Scotty. There we go. Well, PC oh, Gamer yeah. is full of garbage, so we have to yes, reload. Because so. it's all like, ads everywhere! <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, so, unfortunately, my news from uh, VG's... A little scarce, but you know, I got what I could. Yeah. All right, so we're good. All right. All right. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Panzer Dragoon remake lands on PC later this year. The, the remake of Sega's 1995 rail shooter Panzer Dragoon is coming to PC later this year, boasting improved graphics and controls alongside some gameplay tweaks. the The Steam page for Panzer Dragoon remake marks the re release window as this winter. Sega isn't involved in the project, which has been licensed to Polish developer-publisher Combo, Megapixel Studio SA, and Forever Entertainment SA. He means Polish. <sighs> says Polish. <laughs> Sorry. Which has been licensed to Polish developer-publisher <laughs> Combo. Megapixel uh, Studios SA and Forever Entertainment SA. Polish. <laughs> Polish. Forever Entertainment will also publish a republish. Make sure that's not Polish. <laughs> <laughs> Forever, Forever Entertainment will also publish a remake of Panzer Dragoon 2, although we haven't heard any details about that yet. Hey, uh, if you have not played Panzer Dragoon, Oh, oh! Please do yourself a favor and take a look at this. Panzer Dragoon is so good. It's the only way I can really, really describe this is that it's like Star Fox on a dragon. Yeah. Do I need? Do I need to say more? Because it's real good. If you've not played Panzer Dragoon. It's Star Fox on a Dragon. It's really good. It's really, it's like fast paced. Um, kind of think of it as like Space Harrier, I suppose. It's kind of like in that sort of, that sort of, uh, genre of what I'm trying to, like, uh, the, the third person shoot stuff towards the front of the screen, the foreground. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying. So, the virtual cop. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, I mean, just by the looks of it, it looks really nice because you know, it was it originally came out. Uh, I, I 
want to say Dreamcast, but I know that's wrong. Maybe was it might have been Sega CD. I was thinking Saturn, but it could be I'm or Sa- sure. Saturn. You're you're correct. No, you're absolutely correct. It is Sega Saturn. Oh, that's right. I was in, I was in that like that middle. I couldn't remember, what it, but it is. It's definitely yeah, Sega Saturn. It's definitely Sega Saturn. Yeah, but uh, this is this is a really good game. Please do yourself a favor and uh, give this a try. Um, moving on. So here we go, Stefan. Carrion, the promising reverse horror game, gets a free demo on Steam. So we've talked about Carrion on the podcast in previous episodes, Stefan. <laughs> so give you a little information here. So we kind of we, we talked before the podcast to make sure that we know what both of us are doing. And Stefan was talking like, hey, we're gonna talk about Carrion. I'm like uh, we already did. So I brought this. I brought this up here. I was more like, "Hey, I, I just mentioned that I'm going to be covering Carrie." I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he's all yeah. like, "We covered <laughs> this twice before." I'm like, "Wait, what? There's so many games, dude!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. But, uh, we have we uh, this this did come up on a Steam queue before. So if you guys are interested. Um, <laughs> We like what we saw of Carrion, uh, the upcoming reverse horror game that casts you as a tentacle monster. Uh, okay, uh, now's your chance to get hands-on. Developer Phobia Studios or Phobia Game Studio has released a half-hour demo that you can grab on Steam. The demo will only linger until November second, so act fast. Hmm. Carrion, which is due out at some point next year, takes you or tasks you with escaping a research facility murdering as many humans as you can in the process. As you gobble up people, you gain mass along with new skills that let you reach unexplored parts of the labyrinthine map. It's a horror metrovania, basically, where you are the hunter rather than the huntee. You can also reject mass to change your available skills, as, as somebody explained. A simple example, it had to eat several men to grow large enough to unlock a dash ability, making me capable of busting through a wooden surface. But to open a door, I had to reject a good chunk of mass to regain the ability to spit out as a little spidery, spit out as a little spidery arm. It fits into small crevices, which makes pulling switches through small cracks easy peasy. So, if you guys did, if you've seen previous podcasts, we've talked about carrying. Now you guys have an opportunity to play a thirty-minute demo for free on Steam. Uh, if you've seen the actual preview. This game looks really cool. And kind of playing the monster in a Metroidvania is different. Yeah, I'm starting to like that people are making more of those games. We looked at one last week, and I was telling the developer that, like, the only other game I could think of that ever done that was Nefarious, where you're basically, it's a Mega Man game, but you're the robot master. Right. And you're beating Mega Man-type people. I'm not. Yeah. Anyways, you'd have to see to see what I'm talking about, but yeah, it's it's a pretty cool game, and it's cool when you get to play as a villain because you're always the good guy, right? So, like, to be expected, this game is going to be a gore fest because the idea is that you're this monster that's going to be eating people all over the <laughs> place. So, if you're you know, you know what you're getting into when you're getting into this game. It's called Carrion. So yeah, you know. So there you go. We have a 30-minute demo for you guys. Well, they have a 30-minute demo. I don't know we, but we are telling you. Go and grab yourself the demo if you're interested. Um, 
I saw this and I absolutely had to talk about it because you know was, we talked about this earlier in the podcast from a guy who likes card games, okay? So just don't don't mind me, okay? I like card games, you know what I'm saying? So um <laughs> Looks yeah. like worms. So uh adorable deck builder Rise of the Slime enters early access. Uh, deck building dungeon crawlers are commonly common enough these days, but, su- are, but few are as cute as Rise of the Slime, and I'm not just saying that because I like Dragon Quest series. Seemingly inspired by Slay the Spire, it's a deck building dungeon crawl RPG starring an innocuous little blob monster, or at least a cardboard cutout of one glued on a stick. Truly a work of dark arts and crafts. Uh, while it looks broadly similar to Slay the Spire, it seems that Rise of the Slime has a few ideas of its own, including the occasional bit of real-time obstacle dodging as you traverse its maps, and some positional elements in its tactical turn-based combat. Objects can be dropped onto enemies, certain floor tiles can become hazardous, and some spells have limited areas of effect. In danger, swap positions with a monster and laugh as it catches the bomb meant for you. It's always nice to have a fresh layer of depth to explore. Jesus. It also helps that the whole thing is cute as a button, with charming character art and a lack of anim- and a lack of animation elegancy explained away by the characters just being little cardboard cutouts. Uh, the developer Bonifsky Games reckoned that there's a lot of meat on the rise, jelly on the rise, for the slime bones actually, with four zones to explore and 36 enemy types spread across them. By the time the game launches full next year, they plan on adding some more environments, more baddies, and more cards. A bit more of everything, then. Rise of the Slime is available now on Steam for $9.99 American, and which plans to leave early access in the first quarter of 2020. It looks like it has a similar graphic style to Battle Block Theater. Yes, and that is a good thing. Yeah. Because Battle Block Theater is a good game. Um... Now, I'm going to try to remember um, what the name of that studio is. The, the ones are Newgrounds, and I can't remember I can't remember what the name of them was, but uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you play Battle Block Theater, you don't know any Newgrounds stuff. It's the Tom Fulp, Dan Paladin group, and I can't remember their name, but uh, I like this art style. I really love this stuff, and uh, you played Slay the Spire, right? Oh, yeah. And I, love Slay, I love Slay the Spire. If you haven't played that game, that's another really good one. You don't even have to be into card games to be able to play Slay the Spire. It's not easy, though. Oh, hell no. They, oh, hell, Johnson. The, these sort of games are tough. And they're meant to be tough. They're meant to be really difficult. And these are going to be one of these sort of games where you have to understand that the first time you go through it, you're going to lose. Yeah. It's just a plain and simple. You are not going to beat this game the first time you play through it. You're not going to beat this game the tenth time you play through it. Because these games are hard, and they are meant to progressively teach you how to get a little bit better, and a little bit better, and a little bit better every time you go through it. And there can be those times also where it's like, hey, I'm master of this game, I'm really good at it. And there can still be times where you're just gonna die. You know? Because these sort of games are really just that tough. You know? They're just soul-crushingly hard sometimes. So, and... Slay the Spire, you know, or Rise of the Slime. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to this because I might just pick up a copy of this later because this game looks really cool. So, uh, so moving on. Um, so remember when I told you guys that there was a particular thing that was going to be going on in BlizzCon that I 
Steele is going to be one of those 45-minute spots, I think this is it. And we talked about this in a previous podcast. Former Xbox executive Mike Ibarra is joining Blizzard. Former Xbox Vice President Mike Ibarra is joining Blizzard next month. He announced that he announced the news on Twitter only weeks after it emerged that he would leave Microsoft after nearly 20 years with the company. Um, Mike Ibarra tweets says, "I'm very happy to announce I'm joining Blizzard Entertainment as an executive vice president and GM starting 11/4. Uh, we will work with all of our energy to serve gamers with incredible content and experiences. I can't be, I can't wait to be part of this team." Uh, as the tweet reports, Ibarra will join the company November 4th as an executive vice president and general manager. He'll also do he'll do so at an awkward time for Blizzard. The company has been awash in all sorts of controversy over the last 12 months, ranging an ill-received Diablo phone game through to its treatment of Hearthstone Grandmaster Blitzchung following on his on-stream pro-Hong Kong protests. That said, all evidence points to next month's BlizzCon being or Blitz BlizzCon being a big one. Ibarra joined Microsoft in 2000 before eventually being promoted to general manager of Xbox Live in 2009. He became corporate vice president of gaming in 2017. His arrival at Blizzard comes after a series of departures from the company, including Mike Morahim, back in January. Um, so I was wrong about everything. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, he's going to go make his own company. He's going to go, you know, be part of, like, do a new magazine or everything like that. Right, this is going to go to Blizzard. I mean, I'm okay with that. You know? As somebody with as much, like, knowledge of gaming going to a company like Blizzard, which has been around for 25 years at this point, I want to say. I think it was 90... They've been around for quite a while. 1991. Oh, 91. Wow. 91. So Blizzard is going... uh, Blizzard is 28 years old at this point. So a company that's been around for that long clearly is doing things right one way or another. But they're going to want to look to settle down and find a, a nice female company that they can, you know, make subsidiary companies with. Right? I mean... You never know. They, they could find, like, Desert Storm Entertainment or, like, Rainforest Entertainment or, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, you got, you got to start, lo- you know, looking at the broad <coughs> spectrum. There's plenty of fish in the ocean, you know, Blizzard Entertainment. So, uh, anyway, so I think bringing Mike Ibarra aboard is a great move for Blizzard. They just have to be really careful not to push him out there too much. Because right now you are in the midst of the most controversy I think this company's been in ever. So just be careful. You guys are getting somebody who, you know, one of the greatest minds in gaming right now. So just... He'll fix it all for them. I hope so. I hope they do something. Because Blizzard has been one of my favorite gaming companies for a very long time. Um, I played StarCraft before the year started with a 2. So... I've been playing Blizzard games, you know, Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo. God, man, I can remember going into a friend's house at like 12 years old and being like, hey, this game looks really cool. What's this? Hey, this is Diablo. You want to try it? Yeah, I want to try it. And I've been a Diablo fan since, you know? And Mm -hmm. I've 
You know, it's like, oh, this company's Blizzard. They make this other game. I'm going to try this. And now I'm playing StarCraft. Now I'm playing World of Warcraft, you know? So, <coughs> excuse me. You know, just do your best to steer this company clear, Mike, because they need some help right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have one last thing to talk about. Fuck sakes, man. And this goes into last week's podcast Jesus when I absolutely, Christ. when I absolutely had to stop Stefan during the Steam queue. Fuck. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Colonel Sanders dating sim was one of Steam's biggest releases for September. With September now a few weeks behind us, Valve has compiled its list of the 20 biggest new games of that month. As always, because it doesn't provide actual sales figures, the list is chronological, but Valve, being Valve, doesn't send these things out without a few interesting tidbits of trivia for the background. <laughs> Hello, herbs and spices. <laughs> Eight of the games in the list are either entering or leaving early access, demonstrating what it continues to that it continues to be a unique and valuable option for creating a product with involvement and feedback from the community. And nine of them, Green Hill, Gears 5, Session, Nino Kuni, Crying Sons, Notia, Floatsum, Cube World, and Maelstrom are from developers launching games on Steam for the first time. Although it may be a little dis disingenuous disingenuous that word to lump Gears 5 and Nino Kumi together with games like Crying Sons and Noshia. 18 of the games in the list also support controllers, and that led Valve, again being Valve, to look into how many people are actually using them. In measuring the number of controller sessions for games released in September, we are quite excited at the level of engagement. As some may have expected, Pro Evolution Soccer, NBA 2K, and Code Vein are incredibly popular with controllers. All three landed in the top 10 most controller sessions for September across the entire Steam catalog. It makes sense for those games to see controller use, but other releases from a variety of genres not also saw the significant controller engagement. Session, River City Girls, Nino Kuni, Blasphemous, Spyro, Surge 2, and Final Fantasy VIII all registered more than half of their September game sessions from players with controllers. Uh, the list is Spyro Reignited Trilogy, Children of Mortra, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, NBA 2K20, River City Girls, Green Hell, Gears 5, Greedfall, eFootball, PES 2020, Blasphemous Session, AI, The Somnium Files, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch Remastered, Crying Suns, Hot Lava, The Surge 2, Nosia, Code Vein, Floatsome, and Cubro. And the five, top five free releases for the munch of the month include I Love You Colonel Sanders Territory Idol Planetside Arena Firestone and Maelstrom If you'd like to look closer into any of these games and maybe throw some money at them collect them all together in a convenient store page I was only kidding guys Just kidding Why? I is it all is it all those herbs and spices? Has Father Crazy made the most rational just the <laughs> only logical explanation as to why people just really love their fucking KFC. Why I love you, Colonel Sanders. I just 
I want to have more for you guys, but I'm just like, I, you know, last last week it was, wait a second, is that a real game? Ha ha ha, yeah, it's a real game. <laughs> I, I, I got nothing. I ha I, I got nothing. It's like, I, I, I see a screenshot right here, and it's like... Colonel Sanders lifts a large bucket above his head. Its contents <laughs> glimmer in the light. And I'm done. <laughs> I've got nothing else. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I present to you the old world gamer, <laughs> Stefan. Poor old Scott. Things. <laughs> fucking KFC fucking games, what the fuck, man? And by the way, fucking Popeyes is better. Eat my ass, argue with me. Uh, Moving yeah, on. We don't have Stephen. Popeyes, so I don't know. Mayor Brands is better? Seven, it's on to you. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, something a little different this week. Uh, one of the companies, one of the indie developer companies that I've been following for a while that I enjoy a lot of their games, and well, honestly, they keep releasing everything for older retro consoles. And that ca company would happen to be Mega Cat Studios. We featured several of their games on podcasts before, Ooh, yeah. and our old podcast. I actually have Coffee Crisis. I pooped on it the first time because I think the controller input was all like fucky and stuff, but they've since fixed it. Mm -hmm. They make a lot of great games. This is just go, you know, look at them. We're adding them to our podcast credits uh, yep. because uh, I feel that they're they're keeping with the whole retro thing. They keep putting out games for retro consoles, so they're trying to keep retro alive, and I, and I love that shit. Mm -hmm. So, let's have a look at these. Lethal Wedding for the Sega Genesis. I mean, I'm interested already. I don't know about you. <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. Like that, just the name alone, Lethal Wedding. Red Dead Reception. <laughs> oh, God. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm already about female protagonist. You guys know that. So, this is just. This, to me, this is awesome. Oh, this is quality. Sega Genesis. Yeah. Get him, girl. Get him. Oh. See, yeah, it's like a top-down shooter. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, we're not going to look at all the games like that, but I just want to go through some of them. Uh, Bite the Bullet, I think, is one of their new ones you can get for Switch and for Steam. Coffee Crisis, you can also get for the Sega Genesis. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually played Coffee Crisis at uh, Long Island. They were demoing it at uh, Long Island Retro Gaming back in 2017 and it was uh it was the revised version and it was pretty good i liked it nice uh well like i said i played it and i wasn't a huge fan at first because of the controller issue but i've been told mm -hmm. that since it's been fixed so uh they've actually given me a copy i've showed it several times it's still on my desk right here next to me a little <laughs> medusa for sega genesis they also have it for super nintendo and the nes it's supposed to be an awesome game. There are no speedruns for it. I plan on trying to speedrun it. Gonna, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think this is one of their like Halloween-type games. The In Eating. 
40 plus puzzle platformer levels, Arsenal of Ghost Powers, Veal and Raw modes. Whoa, whoa. I love the graphics, man. And yeah, stuff is so good. Uh... <laughs> we like retro stuff, believe it or not. I know how this might be shocking to some of you. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little, like, the, for what little I've seen about Little Medusa, it looks like a really cool game. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm gonna have to get the copy of this. Uh, I'm actually gonna be dedicating a month next year uh, to Mega Cat. It'll either be March or May, I haven't decided yet. But uh, I'm probably gonna get a couple more games because they've given me a couple already. Oh, wow, and, that's... Uh, I need to buy some to show my support as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this looks really neat. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude, like, they make so many good games. Oh, this is neat! Protein-rich puzzles. <laughs> I don't know if those were... The music is actually bumping, too, on this. Oh, the meeting. I was looking at that as an I and an A, and I was like, what? And it definitely really does give you that, like, that real NES music feel, because... Oh, yeah. Like that, mm. it's it's NES gaming, man. It's as is as good as it gets, oh, and especially with like a publisher like Mega Cats, they're yeah. they're not about putting oh. out games that aren't good, man. The, we have also Appeals Court, uh, where you're a banana cop in the world's first and most nutritious pixel art spectacle fighter. God, Appeals Court. <laughs> you can get that oh for the second Genesis. God. There's log jammers, but we're gonna look at it further down here. Tanzer, I think Scott would also enjoy as well. Sort of Sega Genesis. Uh, customizable characters, surreal environments, and enemies, hack and slash and action brought to you. you. Brought to the Mega Drive by uh, Mikhail Tillander. Oh! Oh! Mm. Yeah, see, this this could help build my second collection. Oh, we haven't played this any good. Like quest yet either, so this. Ooh, yeah. this is this gives me like a Shinobi feel. Mm-hmm. And to com be compared to Shinobi, that's uh, pretty good. I'm gonna say Shinobi's pretty good series. Wow, I like man. I like like everything about this game. Like, I'm first thing I thought was like, really, this is second. Right? Genesis, I should say. Like it's like it feels like Shinobi met Strider. Yeah. And oh boy, I just said those two things together. Shinobi, <laughs> Strider. Dance. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. I'm getting into it as well. My God. I know. <laughs> oh. Looks real good, guys. Looks real good. Indeed. So, then we also have Balls and Booty for the NES, which looks like it's a dodgeball-type game. Creepy Brawlers for the NES. Uh, Dorven Digger, which is for the SNES. Uh, Duschlan, which is for uh, the NES. Uh, well, there's obviously others, but I'm saying for the retro stuff. Um... 
drank her. Your freedom and saved the kingdom by sifting through the fragments of destiny to reveal the truth of future in this punishing druidic puzzle game. Okay, so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at Logjam. Look, they still keep going. Lucky Penguin for the NES. Machine Cave for the NES. Multi-Dude multi for the NES. Like, Super Painter for the NES. Old Top. Like, they have so many games for old, like, retro mm -hmm. systems. They're keeping it alive. And that's what, I, like I said, I love this the most about their uh, their company. And these are definitely all quality games, too. Oh, the, this is like... like I haven't, I haven't seen any of their games so far that I've... Um, you know, um, everything. Uh, yeah, yes, they yes they are. Or are they? No, they they. The, I think that they make and publish on their on their own. Jam your log, the fastest axe based tournament ever to grace the NES. Choose your timber beast, grab your axe, and go for the gold and go for a swim. They are uh, Stefan. They they they, uh, they make all this stuff and publish. As far as I know, they do both. Yeah, they yep. develop and publish. Like, like I said, everything they do seems to be quality. Like, I haven't seen any games they've done yet that were terrible. Right? Because <coughs> they have, um, from what I've seen, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of their games have, uh, custom cartridges, too. Exact. That's the next thing I was going to say. When I say that they put them for the old systems, I don't mean ROMs. I mean actual physical releases. Yes. Yes. Um, once again, I'll say, like, I have a copy of Little Medusa right here. I open it up. It's actually on a white cart. And typically, Sega Genesis games are on black carts, obviously. So yep. that's pretty cool. It comes with a nice little, like, fully colored, detailed uh, manual as well. Yeah, and, like, the manuals and stuff, like, like even the boxes, like, you show them, like, these look like actual, like, Sega games that were, yeah. like, published back in the days. So they have, yep. like, the instruction manuals that are all, like, looks like it, they're, like, the real thing. So these guys do quality, quality work. So, Not only with, like, their games, <coughs> but, like, like, the boxes and the box art that they come in. So if you're a retro gamer at all and, you know, you want to support a good company that you know, releases a lot of good retro games on physical retro hardware, I guess. And th this is the company to go to, for sure. Mm -hmm. And like I said, quality games as well. And I mean, they have so many different games here and genres that I, it, you'll be hard-pressed not to find something here that you'd like to play. Yep. So... Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to make a mention and do a little shout-out to them because... Uh, like I said, I think they're a fantastic company, and uh, I'm going to keep supporting them as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the next uh, people we're going to talk about, we actually mentioned them last week, and they're also partnered with MegaCat Studios, is Analog. I didn't even realize until I went to MegaCat's page, and I was like, wait, what? You're partnered with Analog? Analog are the people who make the new portable uh, Game Boy. They also do a lot of the other systems, which are... 100% one-to-one working, like, it's basically getting a modern version of retro hardware. Yeah, we talked about this uh, the last week, the, what the, 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 it supports Game Boy, Game Boy Color, uh, Advance, and yeah. something else, I can't remember what it is, but, I mean, it's like having all of those machines all in one, and being able to play all of those things, like, they make, you know, the retro SNES, they make the retro Genesis, and Mm -hmm. All of this stuff is all 
quality stuff and like upgrade it to the point where it's like I think that the resolution on like the the handheld one was like like ten times better than the original. And the other nice thing about it is that all of these can be hooked up to a computer, to a capture card, to a TV, a newer TV, and it's as good as RGB without having to have SCART cables and a scaler and so on and so forth. So basically, you're saving a ton of money. And this is the Sega Genesis right here. So here's the US version. And then there's a Japanese version. So they have, like, four different versions that you can buy mm -hmm. that will allow you to play these games. And they all look fantastic. The Euro version is the silver. Uh, and then, of course, the white version. Yep. Just because people want to have a clean white home where everything's white. It's like, all right, <laughs> nobody eat chocolate in this house. You should see my kitchen. My kitchen has basic every appliance is red. That's, that's the way that it is. Uh, also, if you have a look here... Uh, they also do the 8-bit, though, M30s. Um, these are the basically the wireless controllers. They all come with wireless controllers as mm -hmm. well. Good quality stuff. I mean... And then here it, is the Super NT, which is the Super NES. You have the Classic. You have a black version. You have the Super Famicom version. And then there's a transparent version. Which That's I cool thought as was hell. Pretty cool. That's they also cool. come with Super Turrican Director's Cut Digital and Super Turrican 2 Digital. Um, DC original SNES style box art. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but probably like the long rectangular, the uh, the, the the box that it actually came in, the old okay. uh, Super Nintendo boxes. Okay, cool. And I was talking about Turrican last week, guys. So you know the fact that they include. Say something about the quality of these games. I'm just going to throw that out there. And once again, 8-Bitto SN30 Classic Black Super Famicom and Transparent Controllers, all wireless as well. Not going to lie, that black one, <laughs> I'm all about that. Yeah, right. That looks that looks so sexy to me. Oof. I wouldn't mind getting a transparent system, honestly. Right. Uh, they also do uh, analog DACs, which are for these systems as well. Uh, which, if you don't know what a DAC is, it's a digital to analog converter. Yep. So you can, uh, you know, if you need to be able to hook up thing A to thing B. They just include it right there. So you don't even have to try to go to a different publisher to be able to, you know, do conversions if you need it. And they just released this new, oh, it's sold out actually, Ghostly X Analog, which is, uh, I guess, a full white one. Um, nice. Let me just... There is a Nintendo as well. There's a docking system for the... Um, for that portable handheld. Nice. <laughs> Introducing the analog dock for when you put it down. So, <laughs> this is the NT Mini. As you wow. can see, it's an NES that has four ports on it. So it already has a four-port uh, satellite player already in it. So if you wanted to play Nightmare on Elm Street with four players, you can do that. There you go. <laughs> no adapter needed. 1080p, HDMI, and RGB, all in one. And the controllers also come with bumpers, and they also have, I think, turbos built onto them as well. Mm -hmm. High fidelity sound, and they actually have reference uh, references to both to see, you know, to compare quality and stuff. 
So as we were saying, for people who want to do speedrunning and want to go on, you know, retro hardware, this is the way to basically go about doing it. Yep. Is to go through analog because they make the one-to-one ratio of the systems themselves. So you're basically getting the retro console, but as a modern console. Yep. So I think that's pretty cool. And aesthetically, they look really cool. I mean, I I really love the way that these look. Just on mm-hmm. an aesthetic measure, they're really nice. Yeah. And these guys know what they're doing. If you actually look at their, uh, if you're an electronics person, look at what they're doing there, you'll see that yeah, what they're making is high quality. Well, there's mm-hmm. a DAC right there. So, anyways, I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Analog as well because they are partners with uh, Megcat Studios and they're doing the same thing, which is they're keeping Retro alive by mm-hmm. giving people new options. So, oh, well, I don't want to have to go and get an old TV and an old Nintendo and all my old games. Well, now you can go and get this if that's what you know, if that's mm-hmm. what you care about. So, there we go. So, up next, Scott. We, uh, is, it, is it that time? It could be. Is, is it that time in our life? It is. Have we come to this point life. once again in my life and everybody else's life? Is it now my favorite portion of the podcast? Is it your favorite portion of the podcast? It should be because it looks like to me it's time for the Steam Queue. Oh, baby. Indeed. Oh. We're going to have a good week this week. I'm, I'm hoping so. Bones. I'm hoping so. First up, we have M.O. Astray, which is an action indie gore violent adventure sci-fi. Well. Oh, you're a little blob dude? Okay, that's pretty cool. He looks cute. I like the pixeliness of, of yeah. the game so far. Whoa! He just sucked up a tree and... Oh, now he has some color. All right. Oh, dude. Oh, this looks great. Uh, Whoa. Whoa, does he reenact, like, people's memories or something? Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, so, for people just listening... Go watch the trailer for this because there was, it was basically, you, you had a seizure of fucking images there, and wow. then we're left with what looks like a Metroid, but right? it's actually your character, I think. Alright. Yeah, wish, wish list. Uh, that was sure. so fast. <laughs> I know. And, and it just came out two days ago. Wow. Alright. That looks good. Hell yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, hold on now. Let's go back one second. That's also fifteen seventy four right now, seventeen forty nine with that ten percent discount. Wait, really? Yeah. No. Hold on, I'm bringing up Steam right now. So you're looking at about twelve ninety nine or eleven ninety nine, Scott? I think. Thirteen four thirteen forty nine. Really? Yep. Less than $14 for that game? Hell yes. That's going on to my, my wish list. Boom. Oh, Spin Rhythm XD. This could be something Scott might like, possibly. I'm into rhythm games. Indeed. 
so. Okay, that's definitely gonna be like oh. somebody's music that I'm not allowed to have, so sorry. Can't listen to the music, but. Oh my. This gives me like a. a, a... Off the juiciest? Oh, of the juiciest. Oh, this is, this is cool. Oh, Scott, Scott's enjoying it. Yeah, I am. It's not something I would play personally. It'll be going on my ignore list, but I'm glad you like. It. I knew you would like something like this, anyways. Oh, I love it. I I, I love rhythm games. You know, if mm -hmm. anybody who and I, you know, I play DDR often. I've been getting into a lot of other games like Sound Voltex and Waka, and you know, games like that. And Whoa. this looks really cool. Kind of. Do you see this new video where he's playing with the keyboard and the mouse? Yeah. And you have to spin the thing? What the f- Okay, okay, yeah. now I'm- Okay, wait, hold on now. I'll take it off my ignore list now, because now I'm kind of interested with the with this mouse mechanic this, that he's doing. This kind of- This gives me a little bit of, like, it, it kind of feels like 2IDX, because it has all this, like, that, but it's like, it's a little bit different, because it's like- Huh. Okay, I won't ignore it, but I will go to the next game. Right. Dormon Story of Seasons. What? Really? Are they really doing agriculture and simulation? Really? That's what they're doing with this? You're basically doing a Harvest Moon slash Stardew Valley kind of thing with it. I mean, I can appreciate it. It looks good. I mean, again, this isn't my sort of genre. Mm-hmm. So, I can't really do um, it that Yeah, way. that's like Animal Crossing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, love that. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'll add it to my wish list. I'll just go to the next in queue. I'll just leave yeah. it as is. Rising Hell. Oh, hello. This is a rogue light indie action and violent. Okay. All right. What? Well, you said you already said one word that gets me. Dead. Okay. It's not violent. No. Different heroes, different mm. places. All right. Mm. Uh, no. Different heroes, mm. different places. All right. Mm. I think we still have Scott. I, I, dude. This looks awesome. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Scott. And I like the art style I, of it. Okay, good. I'm I'm listening on the stream there to make sure you're actually still there. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. the art style for this is fucking great. Yeah, I I'm definitely interested in this for a lot of nice sure. Bright colors too. It's really good. That's going right onto the wish list. Just came out like ten days ago. All right, next in the queue, we have Sky Racket Adventure Shoot 'Em Up. Casual indie action. Okay. Schmup breaker. So it's a block breaker, but with. Shit. Oh! What? Basically, Arkanoid, but the blocks are also your enemies. So they're gonna move around and shoot stuff at you. 
This actually, wow. Alright. They have a lot of different stuff in this. And they use rackets to, I guess, bounce the bullets back. That doesn't look too bad at all, actually. I'm going to add that okay. to my wish list. Alright, I can... Once again, it's 1574, so... I wasn't looking at some yeah, there, of There is a demo for it, if you guys are interested in uh, giving oh, that a try. What? Rising Hell Scott is only 1149. <laughs> wow. So you're looking at, like, 899? Uh, Rising... Hell? Yeah, the one we were just looking Rising at before Hell this. Rising Hell is 999. Yeah. Absolutely on my wish list. Next to Q. Sticker. I mean, I got, I got some of those on my top. I got stickers. <laughs> I like the art style so far. I just, I want to know what is going on here. Yeah, right. Jesus. With, uh, what, what genres is it? Uh, wonder. Indie action adventure pixel graphics 2D. Whoa. This game is trippy. Yeah, right? I was I was just about to like... Whoa! I was about to say, it kind of gives me like these... Uh, like, um... Yeah. Shit. Uh, Undertale meets... Meets uh, Earthbound. Yeah. Because it's got these... The eyes. It definitely gives me that... Uh, that that Earthbound vibe, and it, it definitely has like that same art style as like Undertale. Yeah. And a giant fish just told him no. And what the fuck? Ow. I'm actually gonna throw this onto my wish list. This looks just that. Holy crap! That is trippy as hell. Is yep. the way to put it. Battle Planet Judgment Day Twin Stick Shooter Rogue Light in the action. The firehouse and start. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Here's now. Okay. Face death hard highs. All right. This is a different. This is a much better. It's not much better. I'm, that's not what I meant to say. Um, this is a very, very different approach to a twin stick, twin stick shooter. Yeah, really. No. They let you know your radius of your guns and stuff. It looks like. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I, I know. I like these sort of games, so. Twin stick shooters are kind of back and forth for me. It all depends, yeah. really. Like the environment around you is like blown. That, that's actually pretty cool. I'm I'm kind of. Oh, the co-op is nice split screen. Yeah, <coughs> which would make sense if there's a 3D world that you're on. All right. Well, I'm not going to ignore it, but I don't think I can put it on my wish list personally. Yeah. Up next, we have Mabel in the Wood. Why does this sound familiar? Metroidvania. Graphics look good so far. 
Oh, and it's a female protagonist. Scott's going to love it. I, no, we've definitely not this, talked about this because we would have definitely said something, I think. Whoa. Yeah, I think we have done. Yes, we have done. We have seen this. Have we? Okay. Yeah. And she jumps up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. We have seen it. New form unlocked. What? Holy sh... I don't remember all this, though. I don't either. Maybe we've just seen, like, uh... We've seen, like, small snippets of it. It was probably just pictures or maybe just, like, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Maybe it's a lot like, uh... Well, not a lot like, but... It's almost like it's taking uh, Little Nemo characteristics into it. Mm -hmm. Having the animal kind of things that you can turn into. <coughs> what have you done? Alright, apparently, I don't think... Yeah, it's not my wish list. Oh, it's on my wish list now, goddammit. I don't care what anyone has to say about that. That looked fun. That whole, mm -hmm. like... The little gauge you had for, like, doing your, like, long jumps and stuff. Right. Oh, here's another freaking trailer for it. Jesus. Yeah, no, this game looks fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, anyway, sorry. I'm just going to keep looking. <laughs> Felix the Reaper. What? 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 What is happening here? Do you know that we almost went through the entire queue without having something ridiculous? Without ha without us having to say what the fuck, and not in a whole like, like yeah, wow, like there was like, one that I said I'd ignore and stuff like trippy, that. yeah, and and like, that's fine, but like sticker, we were like. What the fuck? Man, this is trippy. Well, what no, the hell was that? I... Yeah, no. We're going to the next one. Sorry, Felix, buddy. Viola. <laughs> oh, wait. <coughs> Viola. <coughs> Musically themed, ah. themed puzzle RPG. I see. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can play this. Oh my god! It's a it has rhythm bases in it. Yeah. He's got a puppet dog, dude. And the cat Nico girl. I like the graphics, too. It's really nice. Right? And do Legend of Zelda things. Oh. I will. Yeah, no, this is pretty cool. I like this. <laughs> yeah, it is. Rhythm-based RPG. Oh, yeah. Well, I like that it has platform mechanics in it, but when you go and exactly, actually yeah. see an enemy, you actually fight them as an RPG kind of thing. 
Like, it literally does the Pokemon thing. For those listening to the podcast, it literally does this Pokemon thing where it goes like, oh, here's the Viola, Viola, and, and, and basically it goes into this, you know, RPG fight where it's a rhythm-based fight. So, mm-hmm. very unique. That's awesome. That's going on my wish list. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to point this out there to anybody who's uh, watching here. It's nine ninety nine. Oh wow, what is this? Egress? We're having some of them Diablo one graphics there, guys. Oh, oh, oh. Uh. Oh, that looked all like cinematics. Can I get some game? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, here we go. They look all like cinematics. Can I get some game? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it kind of like has like a Dark Souls feel, I guess. Yeah, it's very hack and slashy. Yeah. Oh, is it an MMO though? Because it looks like there's like piles of people, just like randomly named people. Yeah, Souls-like RPG, Lovecrafting, indie action. Online multiplayer, multiplayer, co-op, online co-op. Yeah. So that could be something that could take away from it. Yeah. If you have to play it online, then yeah, that could be meh. I'm not going to ignore it because I just don't know enough about it to ignore it, really. Yeah. Mm. It looks like in these demos, the player dies a lot. Oh, yeah. You want to be compared to Dark Souls? Just have your. Uh... Oh, and here look, we get Dark Siders uh, Genesis. Look, it's Dark Siders Genesis. Hmm. <laughs> yes, please. So of course, that's going on my wish list. Yeah. So we actually only had really the one game that was kind of like, why? Why is this here? <laughs> Everything else this. was fantastic. I'm yeah. glad I played some Death's Gambit. I hope they get some gameplay because I want to actually see like how. How it's evolved, if it still feels like Devil May Cry or. Yeah, this is a fat Cerebrus there. Wait, what? Wow, they, they really shrunk it down. Yeah, it's not in close as much, I guess. Yeah, this isn't the same. Hmm. That looks like kind of like a. Kind of like a like a Diablo style thing. That's oh new. wow, it's not even going to be expensive either. Huh. All right. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our queue this week, Scott. Not bad. I will say that we actually got some decent quality really stuff. Really good games. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we did. All right. Well, moving on to our next part, which is my news, which is brought to you by Indie Retro News. First, we have. I have the Beholder 64 preview. We find out uh, what uh, what this upcoming C64 dungeon crawler port is really like. Alright, so for the last few days we've had very early working version of Andrea, Andrea's, Andreas Larson and team's C64 port of I have the Beholder. With 100% of the game's levels completed, the game only has some bug fixing and a few remaining features to complete. We've covered the game's development numerous times over the last few years, including a look at an engine prototype from Andreas's 
first attempt at porting the game to the C128 in 2006. This is scrapped due to the storage requirements for the game with modern C64 cartridge formats, and some pestering from friends convinced Andreas to return it, return to it for the C64. Jesus, I can't even read or speak. <laughs> you can find out more about the game's background from their uh, exclusive interview in Uter's, uh QA from last year. So do they have a video? Oh, that's the Amiga version here, and that's the C64 version? And for those of you who might not know, uh, Eye of the Beholder is set in the, uh... In the what? Scott? What, did, did we lose me? No, you're still there. You you said it was set in the... and then you just stopped saying oh, something. Did. Did it, did it cut out on me? I'm sorry. It, uh, it, it's set in the D&D. Oh, okay. My bad. Born oh, to not mumble more, if you know what I'm saying. Oh. Oh, those are big levels, too, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh. Alright, so either Beholder 64 currently has 1,351 mouse support built in. Or, 1,351 mouse support built in. Jesus. A semi-implemented, currently usable joystick mode. Non-mouse keyboard mode, not implemented yet, but the 1,351 mouse mode works fine on original C64 hardware or with a Micromus V4 PS2 mouse adapter for C64. It also works on Vice with 1351 mouse simulation switched on, so the game controls are already working pretty well. When combined, mouse and keyboard work together brilliantly using WASD and QE keys for the six directional movements and mouse clicking for attacking. This control system feels great. Wish more developers would support a C64 mouse. Yeah, really, though. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> Can't say that enough. It makes me want to have like these these systems so bad. Like I want an Amiga and a C sixty four so bad, man. All right, the next thing we have here is a game we've covered already. Uh, so Mage Rage, which we talked about before, is an arcade maze ZX game for um, Andy Green and John Davies. It's finally released. Before we were talking about that, it was coming up. Now it's actually done and released. So. Just wanted to mention that, and I'll show a brief uh, snippet of the game. In case those of you don't remember it. Okay. So basically, it's, it's basic, but... Look how fast it moves for the ZX Spectrum. Like, this looks like it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, right? It actually is really... Yeah. Relatively fast. Yeah, it's like arcade fast, dude. This is the way mm -hmm. you want to see these games, really. The Arachnid's Nest. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the names at the top of the screen. Nocturnal Nightmare. Ah, <laughs> uh, bats. Yeah, okay. Oh. Kill 21 bats, I guess. 
Oh, why did it turn pink? Oh, you gotta recharge your spells. Okay. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, see? Th these are neat games, man. Yeah. Alright, now it doesn't have a soundtrack, which means that you might want to have some tunes bumping in the background, but other than that, it looks like it's a solid game. I'm, I really need to get some of these old systems. Yes, let's extend RetroQuest even more. That's what we need. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not, man? Of course. Uh, so up next we have Stoker. This be the next big release for the C64. Alright, so most of the time when it comes to C64 news, we make sure to announce it as soon as possible, being the first to get the news out into the world, much to the delight of the retro community. But this doesn't always happen. Welcome to one game that might be coming to the C64 that took us completely by surprise. Stoker, an in-development game by Riss Clatworthy that works to feature some pretty impressive eye candy. Oh, I want to see this. Oh, what? Really? Hmm. That is some smooth animation for the C64. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah, no joke. So obviously they still have some more stuff to do with this, but like... Jesus. That's, it's literally like movie quality, like... Yeah. Animation on the C64. That's... Man. What are they going to do with this game? Now I want to know what Because it's basically, for those just listening, uh, it's basically just this little dragon... Uh, this little oh now he's jumping okay uh, it's basically this little baby dragon just walking back and forth on the screen there's not really any hit detection at least not to the left and um, the animation on it looks ridiculously well for the C64 yes it does it doesn't say anything like what the game is going to be about like is it it looks like it could be a type of platformer but you're kind of just deriving that out of the fact that you can jump and you can yeah. move back and forth, so... And there's a treasure chest on the screen, so... I don't know, I don't... And is this zoomed in a lot? I'm not... I'm not sure, so... But, anyways, it looks very interesting. So, while most people in the C64 group are in complete shock with the odd member saying, Wow, we will leave our thoughts aside and post the description of the video above. This is a short demo of Stoker in the Cave section of game. HUD partially designed, random sprites and borders at the moment, still the CBM logo and parallax background as a placeholder for final designs. So what do you think? Is this going to be the next amazing C64 game, or will it end up put aside, never officially finished? Ooh, <laughs> let's hope not, because I want to see yeah. what they're going to do with that. I mean, it, it definitely looks beautiful, so I, I hope they do, do, do do something with it. Yeah. Especially how for long this game could be if it yeah. All right, up next we have Chi Man, the Mojin Twins, and that's a multi-system game bonanza. All right, there's been a flood of gaming news this week. And we haven't finished yet, as when we checked our emails this morning, we were told of a brand new game released by the Mojin Twins called Chi Man. Yes, indeed, there's more games to enjoy, but unlike the other games announced as coming to one specific system, this one has been released uh, for not only the Amstrad CPC, but the NES and the ZX Spectrum. Hmm. Ooh. 
Furthermore, if digital downloads aren't enough as a retro gaming platform or treat, we've also been told this game had a beautiful physical er, sorry, beautiful physical version that was sold in Retro Zaragoza with the Spectrum and Amstrad version, and if you are interested in buying it, you can send an email with the subject pre-order Chiman or similar to Mojantwins at gmail.com. Alright, so let's have a look at this. There's Chi-Man, his teeth are green and yellow. Alright. Poor guy. Looks <laughs> smooth. Chi-Man! Oh. Why is some of the music so much more louder than the other part of the music? <laughs> The worst part is the stuff in the background sounds awesome. Stuff overplaying it makes it sound terrible. The game itself looks like it could be fun. I'd like to see the NES version now. Background music, or that stuff that plays over the background music is craziness, though. Alright, so. <laughs> but it looks like it could be a fun game. Uh, it's cool that they're actually releasing it on three different systems as well. And physical copies, which is even nicer. Right. Alright, so up next we have Moon Patrol Redux. A version of Moon Patrol on the Atari XLXE looks fab. <coughs> so, in 1982 and 1987, IREM, with licensing by Williams, released the fantastically enjoyable game of Moon Patrol for the arca <coughs> arcade gaming community. A side-scrolling shooter that is widely credited for the introduction of parallax scrolling in side-scrolling video games, as you drove a buggy across a landscape, jumping over ditches and rocks while also shooting at enemies both above and in front, made this such a great game to play. I don't know if I've ever played this. I don't either. Uh, Irem is the, it's the same studios that make some um, Kung Fu Master, by the way. Hmm. Which is the, like the black box Kung Fu game on the NES. They're the same guys. <laughs> so it looks basic enough, but I mean, that's fine for the Atari, even though it's the XLRT, so... All the fictional letters. See, yeah. Listen, I'm learning at the same time, Scott. <laughs> so popular, in fact, that many remember it on a multitude of home systems, such as the Atari 800, 2600, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Dreamcast, and in television. Really. 
So why are we mentioning this game, you might ask? Well, take a look at this excellent conversion of Moon Patrol on the Atari XLXE, a newly titled Moon Patrol Redux by Tix. Oh, T-I-X. Uh, a new version which doesn't just feature new mountain backdrops, but a new moon city backdrop, a new starting base, new title screen, new tanks, mines, etc. New colors and bug fixes introduced by the new buggy. Oh. So if you're into that, if you want to play some new Atari XLXE games, then they got Moon Patrol Redux. Apparently a game that everybody knows about, except for the two Us. retro players that are doing a retro podcast. Hey, it, it happens. There's probably going to be a lot of games that we've never heard yeah, of. That's, that's fair. That's fair, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Alright, so we have another conversion. Astro Blaster, 1981 arcade shooter, gets a new ZX Spectrum conversion. So, let's just jump right to... Neat. Well, Astro Blaster, I have heard of it. Ah, see? I've never played it, but I have heard of it. <laughs> That's better than that having heard of it at all. Never heard of it. Well, I've heard of that last one. What was it? Um, Anyways, I've heard of it, but I know I'm, I've never played it. I've never that one doesn't look familiar to me either. Obviously, it's changed, but oh, okay, this is what? Oh, this is like fast-paced, like fast-paced mm -hmm. action. If that's what it's like, Jesus. Devil can't seem to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot fireballs for extra fuel. Wait, what? I do like that about old arcade games. When they have like instructions there for you on how to play You're the right. game. Oh, this looks annoying as fuck. I would be so mad at this game. I know this. I, I've seen this game actually. Because, yeah, it looks like you're in the Enterprise, but it's not. Oh my god, those nut sacks though. Oh my god, yeah, and see, and this is why I would hate shoot 'em up games, because look at this! Looks so fucking hard, man, like... Oh, here, you try to shoot me while a bullet is coming down, and by the way, your your time window there is, is very small, because I'm also going to come back down and shoot by the time the other bullet gets to you. Oh my god, those asteroids look fucked. Alright, so... If you've ever played Astro Blaster, then I guess there's not really much to talk about, but it's a lot like, jeez, uh, what would you call it? Almost like Galaxian, but like the enemies yeah. don't come down and then come back up kind of thing. It's probably more akin to Galaga, where they, yeah, they yeah. do that. It's kind of like a Space Invaders meets Galaga meets like the other games that have like the fuel and all that. Wow, I did not notice that though. As noted by the description for the game, the player controls a ship from which you fire and move left and right. The player must continuously monitor the on-screen temperature and fuel gauges. If the ship overheats, its weapons is disabled. And if it's depleted of fuel, the vessel itself explodes. Holy f wow. Wow. And with those enemy patterns, Jesus Christ, heard? I dig it. I dig it. I like it. I like the. Of course you would. You shoot them up. 
team. I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know, you boy likes to sort of these sort of things. <laughs> oh, my. All right, so we're going to move on to our next game here, which is Donkey Kong Arcade Classic now with a new ZX Spectrum color fix. All right. Oh, yeah, because well, yeah, it was pink before, right? Yeah. So we don't have to really explain what Donkey Kong is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're watching a retro podcast here and you don't know what Donkey guys need to <laughs> get with the times a little bit here, folks. So Donkey please. Kong, it's like it made arcades back in the in the mid '80s. So get get with the times. You know what I'm saying? All right. So it looks better so far. It gives you lots of different choices. Jesus. Even lets you Kempston joystick. Indeed. Or cursor. Everybody's oh. going Abe over Donkey Kong. <laughs> help, help, cries the beautiful maiden. Oh, yeah, he is all pink. That's Pauline. I'm a beautiful maiden. That's Pauline. We know who she is. How can you get? Oh, those noises are terrible. Oh, going up the ladders. Ding, ding, ding. That's gonna go down the ladder. Oh, you got lucky as fit. <laughs> oh, that one's gonna get it. No. No, boy. He's got her! Oh! Uh, is that the color fix? Because it still looks pink to me. Maybe it's color fixed so it's more for like the ZX Spectrum? I don't know. The uh the the, the sound effects have leave a lot to be desired, I will say that much. Oh yeah. I mean you're working with what you got, so don't misunderstand me. Alright. Let's go to our next game here, which is Rotator, a new game announcement for the Commodore Amiga. So oh, th this yeah. could look fantastic. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, I'll play this game. Oh, do you, no, do you see this physical release box kind of thing? Oh. Alright, yeah. so good news. If you want some more Amiga goodness, as early today we found out via Facebook that Cytronic Software have announced a new Amiga game in development called Rotator. This game that will be coming soon available to, to order in a superb collector's edition box set oh, is a previously unreleased arcade game for the Commodore Amiga in which you must take control of your rotator craft and carefully maneuver it through the very challenging landscapes collecting diamonds whilst trying to stay above the ever-rising flood level. Oh. Alright. Game, I'll take a look. Rotator. Let's take a look. For everybody who's big fans of roasted potatoes, we've got Rotator. Whoa. Do you always bounce on them? Oh god, that flood thing would be terrifying. Oh, you take damage from the, floor, the water and stuff. Well, that would make sense. 
soundtrack could use some more. Oh wow, okay. That little spinny move they did to get to it. Yeah, see, okay, that's pretty cool. Soundtrack kind of gives me like a like a Sega Genesis, like like early Genesis sort yeah. of game. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I completely understand what you mean. All right. That looked pretty neat, though. It didn't very, look too very bad. Puzzled. Yeah, very puzzle gamey. So I'm done with that. Uh, Rodney versus KFC. Rough and tumbles by work in progress in the Atari ST. Now I don't I don't think it stands for Kentucky Fried Chicken, so let's I hope. make sure people realize no, that. Please. Alright, so another early heads up and do and no not Doom related as thanks to Pets as Jim one who was kind enough to reply to one of our articles, told us Padman and team have released an early work in progress game of Rodney versus KFC. Now, KFC, the F and C are both lowercase, so I'm assuming that it means something else. Anyways, for the Atari ST, what makes the game stand out over other Atari ST platformers mentioned recently is the fact that Rodney vs. KFC uses elements of the all-time classic game Rough and Tumble, which includes the main character sprite seen in the video below. Alright. Wait, okay, so the story is Rodney, step triplet of Ruff and Rad Rogers, just had his combat disc collection nicked by the damn klepto foreign chickens gang while on his way to the Dullsville copy party as the, the KFC klepto, had been terrorizing klepto town. foreign chickens. Yeah, the kleptomaniacs, I guess. <laughs> So he heads back to his home, grabs his anti-chicken gun, and runs to the KFC hideout. Once arrived at the location, he noticed that he only got 5 minutes and 30 seconds left until the bus departing for Dunsville. Fuck. He needs to find and fry all the gang chickens fast, and also needs to get all his discs back in time. Are you brave enough to help Rodney? Oh my god. Alright, let's load this up and see what happens. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry everybody. That hit me in something I thought. Oh god. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, it's a little slow in the jump feature. Wow, dude. Is he changing stuff to make it different? What was it with the Hudson V? Oh. What? Okay, here we go. Alright, so it's a nice little running gun thing, looks like. Platforming running gun, I guess. Alright, that was sad. The chicken just just got shot and like kind of bumped up a little bit and it fell. Yeah, through. I know, right? Like you had to do something with this. I mean, I'm dead now. <laughs> don't don't just go. Or you will die. 
Well, that's a yellow disc. Oh shit! What's on that one, Rodney? Probably his collection of uh Probably it's his his collection of uh JPEGs. Porn, you know what I'm saying? Oh maybe that's what the red ones are. I only found one red one so far. Gotta keep your JPEGs close to your you know, keep mm -hmm. them hidden away from mom and dad. Oh then see your JPEGs. Just put them in a folder they won't look in like a Windows folder. <laughs> gotta you gotta write on the front of it. Projects for school. Yeah. Then I don't want to look. I don't want to look at it anymore. Oh, lots more in there. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> enough of that. Uh, it looks okay. It's just that it looks like it's really slow. Yeah, that's like the only problem about it. <coughs> like if it was sped up like fifty percent, yeah, it would be all right. I I would say only twenty five percent would be fine. Yeah. Even even like a, just a little bit, man. Just a little bit. Yeah. That's not what I meant to do. We will go to our next game, which is Frostbite. Another Atari to C64 conversion from Chopper Command Team is coming. Alright, so good news if you have a C64 or an emulator in hand, as we've just been told through Facebook that the team behind the Atari to C64 conversion of Chopper Command and the previously released Keystone Capers has announced the next game in the trilogy lineup as Frostbite. Yes, indeed. Antonio Savona, Stephen Day, Saul Cross, and Fleming Martins are back with another conversion. And unlike the previous game, which was originally designed by Steve Cartwright for the Atari 2600 and published by Activision in 1983. All right. So this looks like it could be uh, a Frogger type game. It is. I, I've actually played Frostbite. Okay. I had a, uh, I had, um, back in the day, I had a, uh, Atari, Atari uh, just like an Atari pack of games for PC, mm -hmm. and this was one of the games that was on it. Oh, nice. So you're just building your igloo? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. At least you have a reason to go back and forth. It's a little bit different from Frogger, if that's the case. You're basically just going back and forth on ice pans to light them up while enemies are going between the ice pans. Mm -hmm. And uh, once they light up, you go back to your side of the shore and build up your igloo. That's pretty cool. It's a fun game. I mean, there's not much to it, but it's it's still fun. Now, when I've seen the image for this next one, Aquabus... Previously announced Amiga game by Aged Code gets new screenshots. This screenshot got me super interested. I'm just like, what is this? And can I play, please? <laughs> so, can, I, can I please has now? That, that is a very detailed HUD right there. Yeah, it is. So, uh, last year we were the first site to officially announce a new Amiga game called Aquabis. A game which, at the time, we didn't have a lot of information about, but we were able to show a rather nice teaser trailer and a story set in June 1821, in which you travel from Paris to the French coast and visit the very depths of the ocean to discover what lies underneath the surface. Well, fast forward to today, however, and not only do we have more information, but new screenshots of the game which can be viewed below. Which look fucking amazing, by the way. Yeah. According to the creator's age code, this game will have inspirations based on games like Sid Meier's Pirates, 
Uh, Elite Frontier 2, Freelancer, Aquanox, and some other good games. However, the game does not contain arcade elements, and it was said on another occasion it's not a 3D type. It's a rather slow-paced action that does not include trading where you can play it up to, where you can play it with a cup of tea or coffee and have some snacks. That's just a small snippet of the game, but for more information, please see the in-depth blog below. Okay. Looks like it's coming. Okay, no, it's from a, an older blog. Okay. Either way, those screenshots look fucking great. Yeah, they do. I mean, one of those games that takes you like forty hours. I'm fine with that. Uh, that yeah. It's great. Uh, I want to play it bad now. Reminds me of Bushbuck. <laughs> Alright, Max Downforce, a racing game with classic arcade inspirations, gets a Windows release. So, during the late 80s, Namco released a brilliant arcade racing game called Pole Position, a game which was designed by Toru Iwatani, designer of Pac-Man. Oh, ending up as one of the most popular arcade racing games of 1982 and 1983. Mm -hmm. It was such a good game, it was also released on multiple systems, including the Atari 2600, Atari 5200, Atari 8-bit, Commodore 64, and Commodore 128, Commodore VIC-20, and Television, Vectrex, MS-DOS, TI-99, and TI-4A, and Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Well, if you remember this game, you'll be interested to know that Robert Prinz of Foppy Games has... I'm sorry, the name Foppy Games just threw me off there. <laughs> <coughs> has released a very similar game for Windows, which he calls Max Downforce. Uh, Max Downforce is an arcade racing game. You control your car with the arrow keys. The goal is to finish each of ten laps before the time reaches zero. Portion of the seconds remaining upon completing a lap is carried over to the next lap. Tools used to create the game was Lua and Love, Love 2D, and Notepad++, Paint.net, SFXR, and Audacity. Wow. A lot of that stuff you should be able to get for free. I'm pretty sure all those mm -hmm. tools are free. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right, let's watch the... Uh, yeah, I'm interested. I've, I've played a lot of full position in my life. Oh! This sounds awesome! Okay, no, we're both up. Oh, damn, this looks smooth, too. Yeah, it does. Very full positioning. Yes, sir. Oh, this looks great. Whoa, dude just cut you off. What a jerk. Hey, get him. Get him. Oh, no. Oh, he's trying to cut you off again. Oh. So yeah, that looks smooth, smooth, and it actually, I like the way the, the, that it looks as well. Mm -hmm. Like very early PC kind of graphics. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. All right, <laughs> up there next we go. have Chucky Egg, an eggy PC remake released today, which was a few days ago. 
It's incredible to think that Chucky Egg was a game released years ago in 1983, initially for the ZX Spectrum. The BBC Micro, the Dragon, then other systems. The Dragon? I don't know what that is. No, neither do I. Well, now after a surprising tease via the Gabe Jolt website, we've come across a new PC remake of that classic game, which has been released by PJ Croza, developed using Game Maker and is based around the style of the Atari 8-bit version. Okay. Oh, it's just screenshots. Okay. Playing as a little yellow man or blue jean green hat guy in this version, you <laughs> must collect 12 eggs in each level before the timer runs out. You can also collect seeds, which can increase points and slow the timer down. That's unless the hens haven't eaten them all or killed you. So, good luck and enjoy the latest PC remake available to download as of this week below. Okay. What the hell is going on today? Why are we having so many things with the subject around chicken? <laughs> it's just, true. It's, it's, it's true. This is, the, this is our third reference to chickens today. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> this is freaky, man. Well, let's see what more, what more chicken we can find, I guess. <laughs> I, and I had Popeye's for dinner, man. I'm really worried about I'm going to die. And turkey <laughs> <laughs> earlier. <laughs> All right, up next we have uh, Unto the End, a gorgeous and gory combat adventure. Just wanted to watch this trailer with you guys real quick. Oops. Sorry, guys. Hope that didn't come in loud. A little campfire going. Whoa. Oh, this is This is a very Brady look. Yeah. Whoa. that enemies can kill each other after they're dumb about it. Oh, shit. Alright. This looks so good right now. I like how we decapitated that orc. Whoa. Dude. <laughs> so wow uh, I'm impressed looks pretty good right yes sir alright so that is by Two Ton Studios that looked pretty good yes sir it looks like it's basically an adventure game I don't know what else to have else to put it. The combat was really good. It was a lot like uh, the game Savior that we took a look at, where it mm. seemed like if the enemies made a wrong move, they could actually kill each other as well. Which yeah. again gives you more of that realistic feel that you're not just playing a game anymore, which is kind of cool. I like that aspect because then you can find new ways to play that same game. Like, right? Okay, this time I'm not going to let them, you know, get killed by a spear. I'm going to deflect his spear and, you know, spin around and chop off the other dude's head or, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. So that's pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. That did look very, very nice. Alright, so, guess what? One of the, the other trailers I was going to watch for you... <laughs> spin Rhythm. Is Spin Rhythm. <laughs> Look at this. Alright, well, we can skip so that one. So, I already know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm already interested. <laughs> we have a game that's called Faith that looks creepy. Oh, man. Alright, so we head out to a cabin in the woods for some exercising shenanigans in this week's IGP First Look, enduring the disturbing things that lurk within the broken halls of faith. Not that you can just waltz up to a haunted cabin. There's a gloomy wood you have to guide our priestly protagonist through, and it's far from a relaxing walk between the pines, which we found out with a lovely surprise more than once while gallivanting around. There are a lot of overly excitable creatures in the faith, and you can expect them to sneak up on you often. It's when they strike that the game gives way to some incredible animations. The switch between ZX Spectrum visuals and smooth, flowing, monstrous animations loans each scarce with a heart-stopping reality. These moments seem hyper-realistic uh, within this blocky setting, as if there has been no moment in your life that has been more meaningful than this one. Grabs your mind and won't let go. It's an awesome, inspiring set of scares each time it happens. Alright, so combining with all this with a slow boil story of botched exorcisms within a gloomy house, accompanied by chilling music and equally chilling silence, makes for a frightening night spent within a decaying home. Just don't let yourself get lulled in into complacency as you explore like I often did, as the developers excel at finding when you feel safe and scaring you in that moment. While I found the woods section of the game uh, at the start to be a bit too long and confusing, everything else makes for tout, tout humor that you definitely need to play this Halloween season. Jesus. Hey gang, Joel's here, Indie Games Plus is here, Air Dork Okay, here. let's take a look. Winners don't use drugs. Oh, okay. This is very Atari 2600. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie. It was like a horror game like this that gave me... That gave me my fear of, like, the, the, the uh, little, gor little girls in horror... Oh my god! Okay. You don't say. I really thought I'd have a bit more time. Oh, hell no. Oh! Are you listening to the fucking actual sound? No, no, I wasn't. Um. Is there a run button? I mean. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Nope. What the? Wait, what if I show my cross thing again? Give me the buzz off. Please, the buzz off. Oh my heart, where's the stupid house? Oh my god, I'm this seems fucking terrifying as hell. Vatican doesn't approve of this rate. Cross, cross, cross. Yeah, get out of here. Oh, oh my god. Okay. 
Oh man, leave it alone. Oh my god, okay, so that made me do a lot of things. Okay, no, I'm not watching any more of this. This is fucking. I'm gonna have fucking nightmares about this tonight. You fuck that deer up. Oh my god. Okay, so if you're into. For those who are listening and couldn't see what was happening, if you're into like horror and scary games, go play Faith and be happy, I guess, if you're into that kind of game. That was fucking terrifying. Oh my god. Like, just, okay, it was literally a game like that. That, okay, so I, I, I said this before, but it was like, that sort of art style, that liney art style like that, that's what started that fear for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember what game it was. You were in, like, this hotel or something like that, but, like, one of, like, one of the things is you went into a room and then there was, like, these... The, this lion art of these two little girls, and I don't know if it was because my computer didn't work right, or you know, this was back like way back in the day, <laughs> but this was like the, in that sort of art style, and then it was just like boom, they're in the middle of a screen with knives, and they stab like 700 fucking times in like succession. And I was like, all right, all right, well, I'm gonna go wash my pants now, I'm done with this shit. That sort of art style right there in that game is, like, absolutely what, just, like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I still, just from that preview, I still have goosebumps. Like, oh, my fucking God. Like, oh, man. The sound is also quite terrible. Yeah, like that. Holy fuck. Let's All move right. on, shall we? So, Monad plays with living, moving artwork. Nope. All right, trailer Thursday. <laughs> All right, we're also on IndieGamesPlus.com right now. By the way, uh, we're gonna do the trailer Thursday. So let's see what we have here. First, we have Profane. Wait. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay now. Okay. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, I'm trying not to think about it really. <laughs> what? This is like bullet hell. Holy shit. It's a time-based twin-stick shooter where you must face ruthless bosses and intense 1v1s. Play as Talal, as Heralds, hunted by her siblings. Time is your currency and health. Use it to create ability combos and fight for glory on the leaderboards. What? It looked interesting enough. Yeah. And then look what I'm seeing is like embarrassing like gymnast things. And this is never mind. <laughs> oh don't even need to go over this one. We've already seen Out Buddies and know that it's fantastic. So we don't need to watch that again. Yeah, we did go over Out Buddies last week. Mm -hmm. Uh Pagui. Based on a true story during an early age of Taiwan about a temple-raised orphan that learned about his family background one day by chance and decided to set out on a journey to uncover the true secret about his family and his identity. Okay. 
Okay, it's full on 3D. Looks like a cookie of fortune. <laughs> he just opens it up and he's like, You're about to die. No! <laughs> Shortest game ever. It just says one. Yeah. So. <laughs> it just, yeah. <laughs> Help me. How'd they get Evan McCain to do the same thing? <laughs> Looks pretty neat though. I like this. You just don't know what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. It hasn't shown much gameplay really. Okay. This looks familiar now. Yeah, it was, this is the one, we saw this last week, didn't we? Where, where else did we see this? Oh, there, maybe Steam Cube? Maybe. Where he oh. has, like, power, like... Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Anyways, next we have yeah. Conurbation. How dare you say that to me? I'm sorry. Interactive <laughs> experience by trying to restore nature to a sprawling urban environment? Okay... It's only 18 seconds long, I might as well watch it. Sperm. Oh. Sperm. What's up with these games being so terrifying? Is it because it's supposed to be Halloween coming up? Why? Don't, please. Alright, up next we have Kolok. As the color elf, every Kolak has its own different energy. Using its energy, they can fission and merge. Players can use this ability to solve puzzles and explore interesting gameplay. Don't lie to me. If this is a jump scare, I'll cry. <laughs> oh! Oh no, it's cute as fuck. It's actually colic and you're looking at like everybody's gonna die. What? It's, it's actually called colic and everybody's gonna die. No. I'm still on the fortune cookie thing. <laughs> this looks like a cute, fun game. Yeah, this looks pretty neat. 60 levels, damn. That's a lot of thinking. Mm -hmm. Can't do it! <laughs> yeah, oh. no joke. Why do I feel like we might have seen this before, too? 1984 reward. Oh, oh, oh. Is this is parkour. Yeah, it looks like it. Jumping from platforms, don't get the spikes on your feet. Okay, that doesn't help my fear fights at all. Even in gaming, that still it still hits me. 
I had to get over fear of heights with my job. Yeah, I bet. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> Beyond Senses. It looks like it's a horror game. Oh, this looks good. All right. So the role of a good hunter or an evil demon discovered a world beyond their senses. <laughs> so it's a four-on-one thing, right? This is what this is. New multiplayer horror experience. Nah. What? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Done it again. <laughs> Found another horror game that neither of us will play because we both are. If you want, I'm are, sorry. If there's any more horror games, I'm just going to skip them. I, I know. You, you guys have to just. Uh... <laughs> the Tiny Bang Story. That sounds different. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> Calibra Games. Oh, I love that font. <laughs> the Tiny Bang Story. It's well, the chronicles of my every Saturday night. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, what? It's going too fast. I don't understand what's happening. How am I supposed to know what's going on? What? Us. Uh, all right, Martha is dead. Oh, let's go okay. past that. Sunset Road. Game about road trip. You want to drop off as many places... You want to drop off as many places as possible. Keep them in dearest memory. What? What? What, what does that say? Huh? I'm sorry. Did that say Polish? I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it sad that I kind of want to play this now? Plump red strawberries. What are you looking at, dude? <laughs> oh man, I'm looking for plump red strawberries. No, she's actually picking plump red strawberries. Yeah, whatever, dude. Alright, we're gonna go to our next game here. Which is something else that you actually uh, might enjoy, Scott. I thought it, it, it sounded interesting. Hypochondronomicon. Oh my Jesus. Hi Whoa. Hypochondronomicon makes puzzles out of enemy attack patterns. You need to plan out your attacks after viewing your enemy, choosing the best way to think you can counter their moves, and then let them play out for good or bad. This beautifully animated pixel art action game has you picking one character who will then affect how challenging the game is before you start taking on various enemies. These enemies are under the effects of Hypochondronomicon, which has turned animals into monsters. Taking them on, however, is a task of planning. Your character has a set of set amount of energy that can be used per fight, as well as four different places to put in attacks. This looks like four blank buttons down the side of the screen. Your enemy has a matching list of buttons, but there are different attacks placed in their slots. You can see what these attacks do to help you plan out what you like plan out what exactly you'll you'd like to do. Oh my god! Let's just go and fucking look at it. 
Jesus Christ, <laughs> why do you have to fucking make it sound so complicated? To have to push the buttons, you have to look at the buttons. But the buttons at the bottom of the buttons are on top of the buttons, or underneath the buttons, there are buttons. What the fuck did you just say? Alright. <laughs> uh, I like the art style so far. This kid's kind of cute. Pixelate, which is good. So, strategic puzzling. didn't really show us too much. Yeah, not really. But I think it's basically you, like, you doing certain things will counter some of the things that yeah, the enemy yeah, will yeah, do so that you can win a battle. Right, that's what I'm getting off of that too. Alright, <laughs> here's a different one. Super Lesbian Animal RPG joins a colorful, diverse cast in a lovely land. Oh! Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop. Yep. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> relatively sure that the that that our communication device has cut out for a second, and I need you to repeat that title for me. Super Lesbian Animal RPG. Cool. <laughs> I did hear that right. Yeah. <laughs> Please All continue. Right. What better way to start a new relationship than going on an adventure? Super Lesbian Animal RPG shines a light on a blooming relationship while taking down baddies in dangerous dungeons. With its intriguing cast and gorgeous pixel art, it'll be a hard one to pass up. You'll be introduced to the town of Greenridge by playing as Melody Amaranth, the transgender fox who's in love with her adventure-thirsty best friend, Allison Golita. Melody knows Allison's love for excitement and wants to support her as her healer, a match made in heaven, practically. You can tackle foes together and even rope in a couple of your close friends to make a deadly party to trance the first dungeon. You'll be able to take control of three of these party members and earn them new skills by leveling them up. The most attractive, mm, the most attractive feature of this game is the visuals. They're extremely detailed and bursting at the seams with life and happiness. It'll be easy to get caught up in the sparkles and brightly colored towns and characters. You may just want to spend the majority of the time speaking to the locals and getting to know them in the beautiful world of Greenridge. So let's have a watch of the video. Like the overworld. And yes, I realize I'm smoking like a chimney tonight. Don't know where Mm -hmm. I want to get to some of the action stuff. The story is good and all. Oh. Actual like battles and stuff. That's that's the only thing I'm wondering. Yeah. Oh, it's not just a basically a visual. Okay, so it's an RPG type. 
style of like Dragon Quest. What's that? It's in the like the, 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 the battle style of like early Dragon Quest games. Yeah. Or even like uh What the hell are they called for the Sega? The, the, the RPG for the Sega. Fantasy Star. Or, yeah, Fantasy Star. Thank you. Not Shining Force. All right. So that actually looks like it could be an all right game. See, I don't and, mind any of this this kind of stuff. Like, I don't mind the title and everything. That's fine. And uh, for what it's worth, ladies and gentlemen, it will be coming soon. It will be coming to PC in 2017. And what? Whoa. Go yeah. Go back down there and look. Coming to uh -huh. PC 2017. Oh, it must be just a game that they just found, kind of thing. That's kind of cool, though. I'm that's fine. Feature that's, that, that, that's fine. It looked like it could be good. Like if it if it is an RPG and like just, that as well, then yeah, I'm okay. I'll, I'll I that. need I need to throw something out there because I don't want people to misunderstand me. I have absolutely no problems with how a person lives their lifestyle. Trust mm -mm. me. God okay, no. I have no problems with that. Why? I don't... I, I don't... I mean, maybe I have to play the game to understand why lesbian animal... Or animal lesbian... So, so like, I just don't... I don't understand. Yeah, I know. Calling it super lesbian is... Super, super lesbian animal RPG is like... Fucking why? <laughs> why include that in the title? It's like, if that's what the basis of the game is going to be about, sure. But do you really have to flaunt it like that? Uh, I mean... It's, like, it, it's, it's going to be... That's gonna... Is a super lesbian any more a lesbian than a regular yeah, just it's lesbian like, lesbian? Like, I, don't under, I don't understand the need to do that, but... Lesbians, again, please let us know what you think. Yeah, please, like, uh, again, and I really <laughs> want to emphasize that I have absolute problem. No, God, no. None. But it's uh, just the addition of the super. You could have just called it lesbian animal RPG and it would have been fine. Adding the super in there was is what threw me off the most. Yeah, it's just like I, I, I don't understand the title, but you know, yeah. maybe I gotta play the game to understand. Maybe that's her thing. She that that's her um, her class at the end. She's not an actual healer. She becomes a super <laughs> lesbian. She becomes a super lesbian. Because it looks I, like in battle, she like gave her a kiss that like healed her or something. So, you know. I I don't know. It's just... just... <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <sighs> Lakeview Valley. Let you be a homeowner, good neighbor, or killer. <laughs> it's your life to live in the most shady but somewhat peaceful town of Lakeview Valley. Maybe you'd like to spruce up your house. Maybe you'd like to quietly kill everyone. It's up to you. Lakeview Valley lets you create your own character and live your life in a town that reacts to what you're doing within it. If you get chummy with your neighbors, you'll learn more about them. You have to figure out their schedule, though, as even NPCs have lives to live. You can also work to investigate a murder that went down in town, or figure out what gruesome creature seems to be stalking people in the night. Just expect a bit of danger to come your way if you get a bit too nosy. I don't want to watch the thing. I don't want to watch the trailer. I don't want to talk. <laughs> oh, is that Coach Steve? What the? What? Whoa. Yeah, I mean, lurking in the bushes. Whoa! 
Somebody's on Ellet. What did... What did we just... Alright, that took a gruesome turn awfully quick. Alright, next up we have Apple Arcade. <laughs> Has five more games to check out today. <laughs> that, that, went from, that went from like, hey, this could be an interesting murder mystery game to, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. Were we just like pressing A to, 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 to fuck? Is this what we were getting at? And then, and then she's dead? Okay. Uh, anyways. So, there's five new Apple Arcade games. The first one being Yaga. We're going to take a look at each of these trailers individually. Yaga. It's a Slavic folklore-inspired action RPG with an eye-catching art style. You play a one-armed blacksmith, so when it comes to forging new gear and weapons, just this once, you can be self-reliant. Hmm. That's pretty cool. You can just craft your own stuff. Whoa! Alright, so it's a top-down, kind of like... I don't know what you call it. Like, Another chicken! Yeah, of course. What the fuck?! Uh, up next we have Lifelike, the launch trailer. This looks like it could be interesting. What the hell's going on this week? I don't know. Oh, this looks like something that could be... If, is this even a game? Um. Oh, this looks so relaxing, though. Like I could sit here and watch this for hours while I'm baked. That's like one of those, uh, like one of those videos you watch on. Here's like thirty minutes of satisfying things, and they cut paper and like perfectly in half and that sort of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're supposed to show the different patterns of animal behavior. Huh. That's pretty cool. Just I, using particles and stuff. Alright, up next we have Hogwash. A three-on-one game which pigs try to roll around in mud and dirty up a farmstead while a sprinkle-wielded farmer tries to tie them up keep the place from getting too messy. Oh! Okay. So it's like opposite Splatoon. Kinda, yeah. Ah, and you can. <laughs> and as the pigs, you can like. untie the other pigs that you tie off by. This is kind of fun. I like it. <laughs> yeah, this. it does look pretty good. That's a, that actually kind of looks fun. I'm not gonna lie. It looks like the Avalon Carrot's gonna get quite a few good games. Yeah, that looks fun as hell, man. <laughs> Dancing Pig. Alright, that was Hogwash. That was kind of neat. So basically, yeah, for those like listening, you're, you're three little pigs that go and run into mud and try to, like, dirty up the whole place before the farmer can watch you. That's pretty cool. I like up. that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting, yeah. 
Up next, we have Fallen Knight. It's going for a Mega Man Zero feel on a bit of a budget. All right. Oh, uh, yeah? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, I can do this. Yeah. Ooh, Oh shit. Oh, that doesn't look too bad either. I mean, it could use a bit more detailing and stuff, but other than that, it's, it's the same as 20XX. Yeah, yeah. 20XX, is, it's a fun game, but it needs some like more minor details to make it yeah. feel more, uh, I guess, a complete game. Mm. Next, we have Tales of Memo, a memory puzzle game. So let's see what this is all Concentration. Oh, you just want a VCR. A new toaster oven. <laughs> wow, those are tens of dollars. <laughs> I guess at the time there might have been like, you know, I don't know, maybe. Uh, all right. But I don't see I don't see Alex Trebek in there, so I'm <laughs> not satisfied. So this is a I game that I've been looking forward to seeing for the entire podcast. Okay. It is called The Drifter. Let's just watch, shall I jumped the car back in Breaker's Cut. Told myself I'd never come back. But well... It was a busy night in New York City. Here I am. The trains go by. There's no mercy for those of us in the night. Oh. Oh, 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 <laughs> that just happened, right? So for those of you guys that are listening right now, it was kind of like this, like, noir sort of thing where it's just like, hey, people are like walking around in alleyways and stuff like that. And then, like, one guy was standing in a doorway and then just got fucking shot to hell. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, that, that was uh, pretty nice. Oh, all right. The pixel art and it looks fantastic. Yeah, yes, it did. So, uh, yeah, that's a game that we'll be hopefully seeing again soon. And the very last thing I have, because this is becoming a very long podcast right now, <laughs> is one whole Kickstarter. I found in one entire Kickstarter that I actually wanted to have a look at. Uh, they've already met their goal, and that's the reason why I wanted to look at them. 28 days to go, they're looking for $33,150. They're almost up to $100,000. Book of Travels, a serene online wow. RPG. Venture out into a hand-painted fairy tale world and become part of a collaborative and friendly role-playing experience. Okay. You have me an RPG. Experience. I'm interested already. Okay.
actually looks really well done. Yeah, it does. No. Ah! Massive multiplayer online MMORPG is the. Oh, so it is an MMO, which like is a little bit disappointing for me. We don't really. In that that game, you communicate using symbols and uh, signs and. Oh, so it's a different kind of game altogether. Yeah, they didn't really. Would have been nice if that would have given us just a little bit more to look. I mean, if I can just walk around this game like this, I'd be happy with it. Yeah, aesthetically, it looks beautiful. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. That looks gorgeous. Like, compared to other MMOs, nothing is close to that. If you also want to play. Looks really nice. Oh, okay. So here we go. We have a full trailer here. Okay, this good. is what we want. It's a really cool looking map. Wow, it looks just so good. Yeah. It's all hand painted? Holy shit. Oh, dude. really? Wow. That makes that even more impressive than it already was. Yeah. God, this game looks fucking awesome. I don't even care what the gameplay now. Like, I haven't seen anything that looks like there will be any, like, battle system or anything like that. It just looks like you're walking or doing survival together or something, maybe? Come and travel. So you're just traveling? I mean, if that's all this, too. Okay, we gotta look into it a little bit more. Yes. I, I want to know what's going on with this game. Join Book of Travels and become part of a unique social role-playing experience that doesn't hold your hand. Inspired by genre classics, this is an online adventure that sets you adrift in an intricate fairy tale world. But it's also an invitation to role-play without the restraints of linear quests and plot lines. Feel at liberty to travel the free wilds and vivid cities of the Braided Shore Peninsula. Wander deep into the layers of the hand-drawn world, stumble upon its hidden places, or unravel one of its many mysteries. There is no overreaching goal, no real beginning or end, ultimately you are in charge of shaping your own journey. It's a land of elusive creatures, lush natural beauty, and pastoral calm, but one that has known troubles and where shadows play their part. Huh. So this is more about, like, player immersion than it really Yeah. Is. Like, a traditional MMO is always, like, there's always going to be something that's like, oh, hey, go to point A, kill monster A or kill monster B, get your reward at point C. This is going to be, I feel, it's going to be like an, an RPG more about like social outreaching to just other players and making 
creatures, especially in a world that's clearly as vast as this one is. Yeah. It's going to be a definitely new experience, and I kind of am really interested in it. They're calling it tiny multiplayer online because you really won't be anything massive about the multiplayer aspect of the game. Instead, we're building a game experience where there will be just a few people on each server when you cross paths, so we want it to be a memorable moment. Should you choose to wander alone, you'll be missing out on any of the world's wonder and enchantment. But if you do want to form a band of travelers, the scarcity of other folk will make your companionship special and the group's bond that much deeper. See, I like that. I <coughs> like that. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm really liking this, the, the thought behind this game. This is a great idea. So, for what it's worth, whenever I played, whenever I played on MMOs, especially like World of Warcraft, I was always on RP servers. I was always more interested in getting myself into the immersion of the land yeah. and the immersion of the story than actually playing the game for the most part. I mean, I did play the game a lot, but for what it's worth, I spent... I can tell you that there were certain times where the entirety of the went to just role-playing. It's like, oh, did you do anything? It's like, I did do something, you know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, certain people are just like, hey, I'm here to max out my character, I'm here to min-max, I'm here to raid, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, there were a lot of times where I was just like, we didn't care for that, you know? And the only time that we ever did any actual gaming of, like, the actual game is when, you know, our friends weren't online. Max out my and that's character. fine, because, you know, everybody can be online when they can. But we were definitely more interested in just, you know immersing ourselves in the, what the game had to offer. Yeah. World of Warcraft had a lot to offer. It did, you know? yeah. I can remember when Next Ramus first came out, where I led a group of like, oh my god, I, I led a group of like 70 or 80 people in a gigantic role-playing thing about the event that was going on. There were like a whole bunch of things where it was, you know, you had to go to these points, kill these things, go to that, go kill these things. And my character was just literally, like, taking groups of people and, like, you know, commanding, you know, this big, giant group because he was, like, the coolest-looking dude out there. So it was just, like, we're going to follow this guy. He's going to be the one who sets the orders and stuff like that. And then it turned into, like, small groups returning to raids. And it's like, okay, you guys cover this area. Everybody this. And report back to me with your findings about And it, it turned... A mundane, just go hack and slash a couple monsters into like this big event, yeah. And that was the that was the idea around servers like that, taking small, little mundane things and turning them into big events. And a, a game like this, man, that it oh, you have no idea how great an idea this is for me, especially when they say something like servers are going to be small, or it's going to be you're only going to see a few people at a time. It's up to you to make sure that you make the best of this game because, like, the idea about all of this is being a social player, yeah. of being able to say, hey, oh, I found some people. Let's do something with this. Let's, you know, let our imaginations go wild in a map that's clearly huge and it's going to have just, like, big, uh, uh, you know, periods of travel where it's like you're going to find two or three people and on your way to doing this quest that could be hundreds of miles away, it's up to you to make sure that you have some sort of immersed setting in a game that still has a world around you and things to do. So this, to me, is just like, oh, this is so cool. 
really excited for this, honestly. Yeah, no, I would actually play this, and I don't I would absolutely go for those anymore, so... Um, absolutely. The nice thing is that this game is going to be $27. Really? That's it? That's all we're asking as to wow. pledge for... for um, your name to credits, Traveler's Knapsack, a book of travels on PC, Mac, or Linux. So, for those of you that don't, like, $27 for, like, for... For games that we normally go around and kickstart, $27 is normally a lot higher than the normal, like, oh, you get the game for $10, you get the game for $12. I would absolutely pledge $27 towards this game. Yeah. 100%. Just because of the basis of what this game is representing. This game is representing a world for role players. And that, to me, is so exciting so i this may be like one of those kickstarters i can't avoid donating to because i'm absolutely interested in this game hmm, just looking at some of those other big things you can put your money towards beta access invitation yeah. to one of the limited set of discord devs parties Wow, three people have backed him with 677. But this, for those of, like for those of you listening, you guys, I implore you to come and look at this Kickstarter for yourself. It's already fully backed. It's already going to happen. Yeah. So, like, just I I beg you to come and take it like even if it's not your thing even if this isn't your thing i would still ask you to come and just take a look at it just yeah. to see how absolutely gorgeous this game looks it's a beautiful looking game and you don't feel threatened by having to learn a combat system or anything like right. that it's literally all in the travel all in the aesthetic beauty of the game and role playing that's it right and, I and think that's, that's great. great. You, you're pretty mm -hmm. much just you're living a life on a server as a person. Yep. And that's cool. I think that's really great. That means it, <laughs> with them making as much money as they did, they could easily open up more mappage for people mm -hmm. for even further travels. So. And they still have cool. what twenty? They still have twenty six days worth of donations to go. I think. Yeah. Twenty eight. 28. They already have already, almost two thousand backers. And they're already vastly past. What they were asking for in the first place, yeah. and I'm sure if you refresh that, that's going to be over a thousand. So, like Book of Travels, folks, book, please just go take a look. Even if you don't plan on supporting it, I would just absolutely just just say come take a look and just see for yourself what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Maybe you might find like, hey, this is something that I'm going to be interested in maybe something new to try you know i could see us trying to do this as a community thing uh, right with my group of people they, because, they, uh, they obviously me and scott are interested in it i could see someone like six wanting to play this uh, <laughs> i'm not sure if peter would be into this type of game or not peter's always a hit or miss with games <laughs> just when i think that he's gonna be like oh he'll like this and be like oh no i don't think i'd like that game i'm like oh, okay I'm like, oh, I don't think Peter liked this game. Ah, oh, no, I like that game. Oh, see, see, I can never tell with Peter. He's always, he's he's uh, he's a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, they're almost up to a hundred thousand. So yeah, they're doing pretty well. 
But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna smash their 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 stretch goals for sure. I certainly hope so because they got they for everything that they're showing us so far. I, absolutely, definitely, yeah. I would say our suggestion of to just go and take a look, book of trials, hit their Kickstarter. You may find something that you like. Indeed. All right, so let's see. Who are we going to host speak? A lot of big people on Jesus. Uh, mm -hmm. Hold on now. How about some Final Fantasy Tactics? There you go. Let's host up Remanuzo. He is on playing some Final Fantasy Tactics. Probably the randomizer, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good luck, Reminizo. All right, everybody, have yourselves a good evening. We will see you here again next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, bye-bye. <laughs> have a good one.